Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we're covering Season 5, Episode 15, entitled Granite State. It's all about New Hampshire this week. All about them. Uh, this is the e- also known as the episode that like brought down the wall between <laughs> the two sides. What are you talking about? <laughs> Everybody, Team Walt all poured over to uh, Team... I, what is the other team here? I don't know, team man. Jesse? This, team, team Walt is still going strong. I, how? I'm, how is it possible? I, I know. I'm just saying that uh, based on Facebook, based on people calling me a whiny bitch on Twitter, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That the, well, the Walt, I mean, be honest, you are. It's a little bit. Sure. sure yeah. I, I, I can be a whiny bitch. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think that uh, there are still cert- quarters, circle, certain corners of the internet that the... Uh, uh, I mean, they're, they just gone to the cabin in the woods for him. I guess so. They've gotten on their baggy whiteies and joined them in that <laughs> lonely cabin. Yeah. They're disgusting whiteies. It's really more of an off-white. <laughs> but anyway, we'll get to that scene. Uh, it might take a while, because this was an extra long episode. It was actually an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, do you know the actual runtime of the episode itself? I heard it was without 53, 53 minutes. Okay, so it's only about six to seven minutes longer than an average episode. They just packed on the commercials. Yep, yep. Well, they're running out of one of their most popular shows. So yeah, no, I mean you got to. I mean AMC uh, is more than willing to uh, milk something for all it's worth. I mean, look at the Mad Men thing where they're going to we're going to have two. Seven episode seasons. That's yeah. some sorry shit, man. I'm surprised Wiener let him get away with that. He might have wanted it. it there, so there is one upside to this, right? And Vince Gilligan has talked about Yeah, it. we get to do podcasts for two more years. <laughs> Other than that, Vince Gilligan has talked about the upside, which is that they get more time to actually write these episodes. Sure. So it can result in a better product mm-hmm. uh, in the end. So I'm okay with it. I'm really okay with it. Uh, anyway, this is the second to last episode, as everybody knows. Uh, there was a lot of talk about people disliking and really loving this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you were kind of on the side of, eh, it wasn't so hot. Right. I tried to defend it in the instant cast. We don't want to go too much into that, because if you want to hear our thoughts on that, just go to the instant cast and listen. Um, has your opinion changed after multiple viewings at all? A little bit. Um, You know, I definitely see, I think, the people that think it's brilliant. I see their point. I understand where they're coming from. I don't deny it. I think that my dislike of the episode is a purely emotional response, and I'm I'm still kind of processing it because I'm wondering if I wasn't more of a closet Walt supporter than I let on, and the fact that that he is not – I mean, I have some honest structural issues with with the kind of repetitive nature and the fact that we've gone back and forth on Walt. Like, is he for his family? Is he for himself? Is he going to redeem himself? Is he not? What the fuck is going on? And also, I, there's a little bit of tonal conflict, which are my two big bugaboos, you know? Like, I feel like there is okay. there's discordance between how Vince Gilligan says he wants us to feel and seems to be using dramatic effect to that to make us feel a certain way about Walter. And at the end of the episode, 
he kind of wants us to like rub our hands together and be like, oh man, this next for this finale is going to be good. They're playing the <laughs> playing the Breaking Bad theme, and you're got the scotch in the shot, and he's going to put his hat on. And I mean, yeah. I don't know. I just I don't understand why he's so schizophrenic about it. Okay. I think that's a somewhat fair assessment of the tone of this episode. It, it takes a very hard stance on the tone uh, kind of throughout the whole thing, especially when they get to Walt in isolation out there. And at the end, yeah, it is kind of it's just kind of hinting at next episode's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. So get ready. And I, I don't know. I didn't really have a problem with that because they don't show any action. It's not like there's a shootout at the ending of this episode. It's just... They're saying that this will be coming. We know that's what you really want, so this will be coming in the next episode. Yeah, it just feels like they, they're preparing us for one thing and then at the end promising something else. I, I got to say, okay. though, if I want to be Jones about next week's episode, all I got to do is watch their little mini trailer for it that was you know immediately was after this episode. Yeah. It's just a fucking work of art. Yeah. The shot selection, the 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 music that they have. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm totally still stoked and excited to see them stick their landing here. So, okay, cool. Well, let's get into the uh, recap before we do episode. that. Oh no, okay. Uh, one thing, uh, we're having a finale party. What? Nobody told me we that. We forgot to announce it in last week's because we, I think secretly we don't want to do this. Maybe <laughs> we're terrified of of, of 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 having some kind of public, you know, official party. Uh, but we're we're doing it. We're going all out. We've rented out space. And Anderson people are like, Anderson, Indiana. Why did you pick Anderson, Indiana? Well, simple. It's the meth capital of the Midwest. <laughs> so this there's that. Yeah. Um, I'm just terrified that the cable is going to go out at this place. Well, you know, we've got, a, we've got a backup for that as well. I just don't want to be responsible for ruining the finale of Breaking that would Bad suck. for... You know, the one or two people like who the power show up. got cut or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then they blame us for not having joined in this phenomenon that is the finale of Breaking Bad. Ugh. That's not going to happen. What is going to happen is you're going to enjoy uh, the final episode of Breaking Bad and glorious high def on a very nice plasma, huge, what, 65 inch plasma TV? 60. 60 inch. Uh, it's going to have a sound system. We're going to do an instant cast right after. We're going to have a third mic open for audience participation. We got Breaking Bad magnets, fridge magnets, magnets, bitch. I'm bringing We're a bottle away. of Whistle Pig. Jim's got Whistle Pig. We're going to have uh, wine and beer for sale, some snacks. Uh, this event itself is for free. It's 8 p.m. in Anderson, Indiana. If you want more details, check out our Facebook uh, page where you can RSVP it. Uh, it's in the events section, and I'll be posting a reminder about every other day or so. But uh, if you're in central Indiana, don't mind a little bit of a drive. We'd love to see you out there. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, despite we... despite our self-loathing and <laughs> shitting on our own stuff, it's probably going yeah. to be a good time. All right. We've bullshitted enough. Let's get to the recap. Do it. We start off this week with Saul, surprisingly, using the Disappearer. Did you I think? Thought, yeah. Oh, I... of course I thought that was Walt. Yeah. Until I saw the blue bag, and I was like, eh, Walt doesn't strike me as a blue bag kind of guy. And then the hair. Dead giveaway. <laughs> yeah, and then the purple shirt. <laughs> oh, God, Saul. Uh, so Saul's going to Nebraska, apparently. He's been assigned to Nebraska because his face is all over uh, all over billboards and TV and everything, so he's got to get far away. Uh, and we find out that Walt is actually still there, and he's going to be Saul's bunkmate for a couple days. Nebraska, man. Yeah, lots of I've, corn. I've driven through that state enough to know. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, I'm from Indiana, so I can't really talk shit about a fellow corn state, <laughs> but I got to say, I'm going to talk shit a little bit. All right. Because uh, every time I go out to Colorado to go ski, I go through Nebraska, and it's just a whole lot of nothing, man. Yeah. I don't see, like, so So is Saul just stuck there to the end of his days? Yeah, yeah. If he's lucky, he's going to be managing a Cinnabon in Omaha. Mm, with his three pairs of uh, khaki dockers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What I, what color is the situation? I'd uh, braid them into a rope and hang myself. <laughs> what color is the a Cinnabon? Three, a three ply docker rope would support my bulk. Oh jeez, what's that? Uh, what color is the Cinnabon uniform? Is it purple or orange or green? Well, I think it's jizz white because that's what Ooh. it's covered with. Those they're, they're covered with. Yeah, that's true. Nasty. All right. So why why does it take? Two or three days to get Saul a new situation. Is I just thought just that was because a, I don't know. I just assumed that was funny. Like the guy's kind of like bragging. It's like you're going to take a little while. Your name's up. Your face is all over billboards. And going, you know, it'll take me two days. It's kind of like the Scotty syndrome, right? Uh oh. Okay. So it's actually going to take him a day. Is what you're saying? No, I, <laughs> I think it's like it's impressive that someone as no, you know, much of a fame whore yeah. as Saul is going to be disappeared. I think he's a regional days. guy. I don't know that outside of New Mexico at the most, he has any real sway. It's like, ask someone from California who Von Wamsley is. Or Don or Don <laughs> from Don's Guns. Yeah, yeah, they're going to have no idea. Okay. I didn't so, even know who the other guy was. Who? The, he's a an accident attorney, man. Uh, Von Wamsley, he's the motorcycle guy, right? Ken, Ken Nunn is <laughs> Ken the Nunn, sure. he does it ambulance too. chaser of Indianapolis. Oh, Thank you very much. We're, we're moving into personal arrogance territory with these <laughs> regional discussions. Anyway, let's move on to Marie's house. Uh, she's been It's been broken into. And, of course, we know that this is the uh, Uncles of Anarchy. They've come in to get Jesse's tape. And the feds search the house while Marie is transported off. Uh, nothing really of note here, so... Except for Dave Porter's fucking awesome music. I was mentioning... We were doing our uh, final rewatch in our pre-podcast uh, shtick. And I'm like, man, it'd be awesome if David Porter did the theme... The, the, the like, you know, soundtrack of your life. <laughs> like, every single day. You you get so much more done. I would never get any sleep, man. It's so tense. And it's like you're driving to McDonald's, and it's like 1025, and you got to get there for that McGriddle. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like the he's got the Aztec windpipes and yeah. the African dirigididoos and like a bunch of weird like baby crying that yeah. he's using for percussion. If you would get there at ten twenty nine and order that fucking McGriddles, all I'm got to say. Wow. All Until right. they say they've stopped serving breakfast at ten twenty nine and the music just cuts out. Oh, and then it just goes boom, boom. Yeah, and it's it boom. close up on your bulging vein. <laughs> Anyway, so the Uncles of Anarchy are watching this tape that they've stolen. Uh, and we see, we finally get to see it. We haven't seen this tape either yet. Um, well, and Jesse... Yeah. Te- what? We didn't get to see... I mean, we got to see a very small portion of it. Oh, yeah. Just like the introduction. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Jesse tells the story of Drew Sharp. And then he incriminates Todd by saying that he killed him. So that now the Uncles of Anarchy think, you know... Uh, the DEA know all about the that. Dopey, dead-eyed fuck. <laughs> piece he, of shit, I think. He's, yeah, opie, he, dead-eyed piece of shit. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> anyway, so Jack goes out. He's going to kill Jesse. He's walking straight for him with a gun. 
Uh, but Todd stops him because he wants to continue cooking for some strange reason. Uh, and that reason Jack deduces is Lydia. And so he goes ahead and he, he's got to have like, he, he's a sucker when it comes to Todd, right? And what Todd wants, be. because I mean, he's already given $11 million away. Yep. Thanks to Todd. He's now cooking meth again. Thanks to Todd. I want to kill an innocent person. You know, yeah. going to add another body count to his resume of a, of a civilian, no less. Yeah, so it's like he he's kind of a sucker. That makes me wonder if Todd is going to play a role somehow in well, taking him down. Well, yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, well, I mean, uh, arguably, if if Walt White is involved at all into his end, he already has played a role. Uh, yeah, true. But um, well, there's also this shot where. Uh, when when Jack is giving him some shit about liking Lydia, mm-hmm. uh, he he doesn't stay up with Todd and talk. Yeah. It's all about this, Jim. <laughs> it's all about this. Oh, whatever, devil. <laughs> uh, he he he's giving him shit, and he doesn't stay near Todd. He backs away and he goes to his group of guys, and they're shooting them like they're on two different sides of the issue here. Uh, right. It makes me wonder if there is going to be a line drawn between them when it comes to Lydia. Hmm. I mean, he's totally, I'd say, gay for Lydia, except for he's... he's, he's yeah, he's totally straight super, for Lydia. He's super hetero for Lydia. <laughs> yeah. Um, so w- did you see any of the social commentary about theories? Uh, several people wrote about this, um, professional people. I think Mo Ryan is one of them, um, where they're drawing parallels between the neo-Nazis and Villigan's concept of a bad Breaking Bad fan. Like the ones no. that are like diehard Walt Rooters, fuck Skylar White, she's a bitch. Uh, okay. Love to see the, you know, love to see the violence. Um, and because they were like, th- th- they were drawing parallels between the neo Nazis were mocking Jesse for having these feelings and like, oh, what a fucking pussy, yeah, yeah. he's crying about it. And did you, do you think that there's any merit to that? Because I felt, so that rings true because I felt like this was bitter medicine that the villigan thought that we needed to take yeah you said as much in the instant take right yeah that this is like you thought breaking bad was fun you thought these capers <laughs> were entertaining well you thought here, this might end well yeah here's your real here's your car a cold hard dose of reality fuckers yeah um what do you think of that do you think there's any truth to that i think there could be definitely i, I mean, get i get the feeling listening to the insider cast that uh, you're right about how Villian feels about how people are taking his show. You know, hmm. I mean, he's also very kind of hands off when it comes to the interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that has to eat at you a little bit, right? Like I've created this thing which I interpret this way, mm-hmm. and I expect other people will probably interpret it similarly. But when you see them rooting for the guy that yeah, you're supposed like to I'm, hate, I'm basically daring you in these last three episodes to continue <laughs> to support Walt. There's no I'm, way. I'm triple dog daring you, and people are taking him up on I it. I know people are, but how? How is it possible it, it, to continue to like Walt? Um, I feel bad for Walt at times, but I I never say that he doesn't deserve everything he's getting. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So I not, think there's a difference there, you know? Right. I mean, I think that the traditional Walt apology begins and ends, and well, he's really just doing this for the family. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like that's... Harder and harder to argue mm-hmm. the more things go on. And at the end of this episode, he's totally not doing yeah. it for his family. No, that, I mean, 
Well, well, we'll get to it. But as Gretchen says at the very end of this, anything that was the kind, caring family man that Walt was is dead. Yeah. And now Heisenberg is all that's left. And you see that on his face at the very end of the episode. Um, a couple of things on this scene before uh, when, when before he moved on. Uh, when you saw Jesse with the paperclip, you pretty much... I saw some people thought that they were he's going to commit suicide. <laughs> with a paperclip? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, well, you know. I'm sure uh, you could do it, but... Sure. Maybe you just sharp, rub it on the stone walls a little bit and sharpen it up and... I think you just gouge it in there, man. Oh, that's uh, no good. <laughs> but, but did you, you get... I, I thought that, you know, obviously he's going for the handcuffs. Did you... Yeah. I also liked some of the cinematography in this episode, like when they did that kind of... Uh, low pov zoom in on uh jesse's cage and uh-huh. the tarp kind of like rustled at the corners yeah um there's something almost anime about that like there was some caged power down there that's itching to get out huh yeah i, I don't know how much power jesse has at the moment but he definitely wants out <laughs> <laughs> and he did get out and he did get out you're absolutely right uh, another thing we learned in this scene that I only caught the second time through. Lydia has a wood chipper for a pussy? Yes, that. No, I caught that the first time okay. through. Uh, Todd's last name is Elquist. Did we know that before? I don't know that we did. It's not a Nazi name, I think. No? No. It's not very Nazi to me. It's not like uh, Hitler or uh, <laughs> Go- Goebbels or... No, uh, no. <laughs> not at all. Mangala. <laughs> That's a Todd Mangala. strong German name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Elquist, yeah, I, I didn't, I don't think we knew that before. Ermintraut, now there's a German name for you. Yeah, Todd Ermintraut, wouldn't that be a twist? Yeah. Ooh. Find out this is actually his nephew, too? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you know Todd's mom, she, uh... <laughs> oh, no. She liked to hang out in the white power bars yeah. and, uh... She had a poli- vacuum cleaner for a pussy. <laughs> Ex-police... <laughs> what the fuck? It's all about, uh, vacuum cleaners. Anyway, uh, so when they're watching this video, I noticed when Jesse talks about Drew Sharp and how Todd killed him, Todd has a weird look on his face, like a smile. Todd's always got a weird look on his face. Well, that's true. But he smiles when he says that. Mm. To me, that says that he is proud of killing Drew. Why would he ever be proud of that? I don't know if he's... Well, I mean, God, he's a, a scary dude. Yeah, he's definitely a sociopath. Like, I mean, think of, remember that image of him, like, admiring the spider in the jar? Yeah. And, like, the fact that he took a trophy from killing a child in the first place, it's just really profoundly creepy. And now I thought thought Todd was going to be in some shit. And the fact that his uncle's only mad because Jesse ratted him out, I mean, I just thought that that was kind of interesting. No, that's definitely interesting. And also interesting because I think Walt or, or you know, Uncle uh, shit. Jack. Jack. Uncle Jack was ready to fulfill the terms of uh, Heisenberg's agreement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely was. He was walking out there to kill Jesse. So, um, and do you think he worries at all? There's even a, a shadow of doubt in the back of his mind that this is not the right thing to do. To keep cooking meth? Well, leave well, Jesse alive? Not just that, to leave Jesse alive. Yeah. Yeah, I, do, I certainly don't think he would have. I, mean, I feel like most of the scene was served to lampshade all of our objections as as viewers. Like, why would he still keep 
and cooking meth. Yeah. Why would he let, you know, it's basically the answer's all Todd. Todd is to blame yeah. for all of this stuff. Well, the weird thing is, so he goes out there to kill Jesse, right? And then he makes this argument that we've got all the money in the world. We don't need to cook meth anymore. Mm -hmm. But they had all the money in the world before when Jesse was cooking meth. And they still weren't killing him. What are you talking about? Right? They brought him back from the desert. He started cooking meth. No, I took it that that scene was like... That happened right after? Yes. Okay. Yes, because you got to understand, I mean, we're still in the cleaners. We're still, like, very immediately after the last episode's but happenings. They, but they've beaten him up. They've gotten the information about the tape from him. He didn't... And oh, they so locked he's him already, up and right. they he's, he's, done, he's done one cook, at least. Why would they have him cook a batch and not kill him if they already had that money? That's a good question. Maybe that... The only thing I can think of is maybe Todd did that kind of like on the side, like... Oh, they didn't know he had him chained up cooking meth? Well, I mean, obviously he went back there to work him over, yeah, but yeah. I think that was above and beyond his mandate, maybe. Could be. And now yeah. it's like once the uncles had time to sit down and watch the tape, they're like, okay, now it's time. We've heard we've heard a fuck enough. This yeah. is bullshit. Obviously, Devil, or mm. whatever his name, Lenny, whatever his name was, <laughs> is uh, uh, it has already had seen the whole tape. Yeah. Which is yeah. kind of weird. Like maybe Jack was off doing something different. Yeah. Who knows? I, I think that might play into the idea that Todd wants to use this meth to get Lydia to keep seeing him. Yes. So he might have Jesse cook a batch in secret so that he has something to bargain with her. Oh, yeah. For. And even their whole talk was like a breakup talk. I mean, oh, yeah. She even said, we need to take a break. Yeah. And, you know, his his awkward advances were just that. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he was smooth. I think we're 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 gooder. We're gooder yeah. together. <laughs> we work good. We work together good. We work together good. Ugh. All right. So let's go over to uh, Walt and Saul in the uh, the underground area of this uh, vacuum shop. Uh-huh. Uh, Walt's planning a hit on Jack, and Saul is... Uh, he wants Saul to call up some hitmen, but Saul says, I don't know any. Uh, and he's trying to get Walt to stick around, to, to turn himself in. Mm -hmm. so Bass that, music, man. Uh, he can actually accomplish his goal, which is to help out his family. Right. Uh, I, I really enjoyed here that Saul, something we rarely see from Saul, he is actually an expert at what he does. I mean, he knows exactly what's going to happen to Skyler here. Yeah, he's even, I mean, they're very subtly details. Like, uh, you know, your house predated the criminal activity. So, I mean, he knows the ins and outs of, of the forfeiture laws. and Yeah. And we've seen flashes of this, but it, it does seem like, against all odds, uh, despite his American Samoan... <laughs> <laughs> Legal education yep, yep. that uh, he was a competent uh, criminal criminal lawyer. I think so. I think so. And I, I always enjoy seeing those flashes. Mm. And the other thing is, for damn sure, if Walt had invested in the goddamn laser tag arena, Skyler probably wouldn't be brought up on RICO charges for laundering the money through the car wash. True. Very true. And he has a very good point about Mike losing his money when he tried to leave it to his daughter. Yeah. The only, you're not getting that money to your yeah, kids. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's one of the things I guess I didn't like emotionally about the episode is so much of the things that Walt did that were so good in the final episode um, were kind of rendered n null and void. Like, yeah, your your phone call was brilliant. 
But here's what's actually going to happen now. Yeah. You know, you, she's going to be sweat for a year and a half, two years. She's going to lose her house. She's going to be devastated. Your kids are going to be put through all this stuff. Your daughter's going to grow up under the shadow of this trial. She might get acquitted two years from now. And oh, by the way, none of this money is ever going to get to them because and that's the worst part. And we'll talk about that more when we get to where that really comes in, in the cabin, but right. Right. Well, and even that is like, that's, that's the nail in the coffin that like, if you found, if you devise some way, yeah, none of your family wants anything to do with you. It's it, oh, crushing, but we will get there. Um, th- this is kind of where Saul first makes the point I guess that leads up to Walt really thinking about what he's done to Skylar and his family in the cabin. He tells him that he's leaving Skylar high and dry by just leaving town because now she has to deal with this instead of him dealing with it. Right. Um, And that doesn't sink in here. He's still very much like, I'm going to figure a way out of this. I'm going to go on the run and come back and help. Right. Uh, But I, I also like the way that Walt tries to threaten Saul at the end of this scene. It's exactly like last scene. And he, his body betrayed him. It does. Do you think if it didn't, that Saul would have been cowed into, he might've, the disappear is no joke, man. I feel like if he, he would have come down there with some kind of fucking sap and laid down the law. Yeah. If, uh, Walt had tried to muscle his way into anything. Yeah, Walt's not getting out of that room until... He's not getting away until he gets to New Hampshire. The guy was paid to do a job. He is going to do it. Oh, That's yeah. the impression I got from the Disappearer. I I totally agree. So all this talk of Skylar, we then go over to Skylar, who's talking to a bunch of lawyers. And she's got a dopey-looking lawyer helping her out. He's just like, duh, he's looking at her. Like, he's got no idea what's going on. And these assholes tell her to rack her brain to come up with Walt's location right. as if she can just miraculously know where he is. Well, I, I don't you, th- I think they think that she's, they do, but yeah, she's full of shit know. is what they think that like, I yeah, guess you, they think that. you know, you, you got to know where the money is. You got to know where all this, that, and the other is, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe, he played it. Maybe uh, he sold it too, too well. That the performance seemed too artificial. The phone call. I don't know. Maybe we're not really clued into what those other lawyers think about the case so far. Right. Uh, just that they want details. Right. And what? Uh, and and what do you think of the callback to Walt getting his cancer diagnosis, where it's just all kind of like. And oh, she's in this like, catatonic yeah. state, and when they finally got her attention, she just rattled off matter-of-factly, saying, like, Walt's like, yes, uh, stage four cancer, inoperable, yeah. you know. She should have jumped up, suck on this, <laughs> or wipe down this. Wipe down this. <laughs> uh, guys, the uh, the, the uh, prosecutor's eyebrows were not big enough. True. To... Yeah. Can't properly insult a man with eyebrows that small. No. Now, I mean, <laughs> if you had the balls, you could try uh, Robert Forrester. Uh, the Ooh. disappearer, if you wanted to try to go in after his mm-hmm. eyebrows, because he had some impressive ones. I wouldn't try it, though. No, no. You'd, you'd, you'd get your life snatched, I think. <laughs> Probably. So it's like, make you disappear. He's a, he's a famous character actor, but I always think of him as like the poor man's Lee Marvin or yeah, like... Yeah, Arlie Ermey. I thought Arlie Ermey, actually yeah, that it might be Arlie thing. Ermey at first when they showed him. But It's like if you uh, took Lee Marvin and... <laughs> 
uh, Ermy and, and Blender, and, and or if somehow crossbred them and so. oh, oh, I I don't know. Yeah, the, the gestures going on in here are horrific. <laughs> it's all about <laughs> it's all about this, Jim. It's all about this. Ugh. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, Skyler finding. Did you Todd. know that Robert Forster is in a member of the Triple Nine Society? I, you told me that earlier, and I was shocked. Like, I, I feel like the I guy... I should explain. Triple Nine Society is for people that's IQ is in the top 99.9th percentile. Like, you, uh, IQ of 149 or above. That's insane. This guy is a super genius. He's an evil genius. Why do they call it 999? Because it's in the 99.9th percentile. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> well, see, that's why I'm not in it. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I think that's the first question in the test. <laughs> why? Why is this called nine nine nine? I uh, don't know. <laughs> Todd's not in it either. I can tell you that no. much. Oh, uh, but he is in Skyler's house, and mm. so are his goons, and they are creepily the plump, the plump full lips gang. <laughs> even even if I didn't know contextually that that was Todd, I would know on by his lips. Yeah, those bee sting lips of him and yeah. Devil. Just, just, just pouting out of that, pouting out of those. Uh, what do, you, what do you call those ski masks? Yeah, uh, bakalavas or bakalavas. Ba- balaclavas. Balaclavas. I think they're called ski masks, aren't they? Yeah, I think they're just. That's what we call them. Anyway. They're uh, hijacker masks, bank robber masks. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, but they're creeping around Holly's room, and Skylar doesn't like that. But she gets kind of uh, taken hostage, I guess, for a moment while they tell her to calm down and tell her. You're not going to say anything, or we're going to come back. And you're not going to like that. that yeah, happens. there's an implication there. She should have asked for clarification. What exactly is going to happen? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but we find out Skylar got the baby back, so there's some time that has passed here. Yep. I'm sure the firemen took them a, a little while to get uh, Holly back. Sure. Um, and Todd's protecting Lydia. Mm-hmm. So, But also... Looking out for Mr. White still. Yeah, because weirdly. He, he, he has he wanted to get into Lydia. He could have just executed Skylar. Okay, sure. Yeah. That, that now Let me ask you this. True or false, the first time Skylar had thought about Lydia since she'd seen her at the, at the car wash was when Todd brought her up about the dark-haired girl at the car wash. I say true. Yeah, I feel like that that completely slipped her goddamn mind. Yeah. Do you think that'll be significant? She she may give up that information. I don't know. I don't know. She I seems mean, like she's pants shittingly scared. Yeah, she doesn't want Rightfully any harm to so. come to Holly. Rightfully so. And these guys, again, these guys are supernaturally good criminals because they're just going to waltz in 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 mass into some house under police surveillance. Like I, it's nothing. I feel like there's a balance being struck here between extremely good criminals and extremely dopey police uh, DEA officers. Yes. I feel like neither of them have to be the the criminals don't have to be especially good because the police aren't especially good. Mm. So there's like this balance. So it's like the opposite of the Batman world. Whereas, you know, introduce Batman into a criminal ecosystem and yeah. now you got super criminals like the Joker. You introduce the Keystone cops <laughs> into a criminal ecosystem and yeah. you get the fucking Three Stooges with prison gang tattoos. Yeah, pretty much. All right. I, I can buy that. All right. Plus, they've been shown, whatever we think about them, maybe they have some training we don't know about, they, but they have been shown to be competent, right? 
Well, and not just competent, but the type of competent that like a guy like Mike would have not even be on his radar. What do you mean? Well, because again, uh, Mike said no less than two times last year that Todd's uncles were were, were bullshit. He said the oh, first time he's okay. like, you know, he, he said like, yeah, I looked up, it's just a bluff, and then like three episodes later, he said I remain unconcerned about his uh, prison contacts with his uncle. Yeah, Mike is not a joke, right? Sure, Mike's a heavy hitter, and he's very good at figuring and out. These how guys were able are. to operate underneath his radar. So either they're not, really, really good, or yeah. they're just really lucky. They're like League of Fucking Shadows type levels, man. Okay. I mean, that's what this show is portraying them as, yeah. right? So yeah. we kind of have to go with it. Yep. Uh, all right, next scene. Todd meets with Lydia, and he's all he's all fancied up, man. He is in a collared shirt. It's all, all about of his Nazi the tattoos Earl Grey tea, Jim. Oh, this, this <laughs> sap, this sucker is drinking tea so i i gotta wonder did he plan this meet and if he did he obviously planned it in a location that would have the very specific thing that lydia ordered. this is the same place that she met mike and the same place she met walt oh it's the same place oh yeah, yeah. okay and that makes sense he's the first well it's not the same place she met mike because they didn't have her stuff when she met mike oh i thought it was right? the same place it might have been the same place she met walt maybe hmm I don't know. Anyway, um, I will say that she, that, that Todd's the first sucker that actually did her cloak and dagger bullshit. Right. And by the end of the scene, it's so ridiculous because he's half-turned talking to her. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. This, this is, is why Mike didn't do it. It's it's like, I get that you're wearing goggles that make you look like a fucking housefly <laughs> or a dragonfly. It's taking up two-thirds of your face. I believe they call that a ski mask. <laughs> That's a reverse ski mask. It only covers your eyes and mouth. <laughs> the rest of your face is... Yeah. is exposed but i mean what is she's such a weird character i kind of feel like her and todd could maybe hit it off maybe i don't know she certainly impress or sorry he certainly impresses her with the 50 pounds of 92 percent blue that he's got yeah that got her attention before she said you know we need a break we're on a break he he drops the 92 percent on her and yeah she uh panties were dropped apparently I guess so, or at least her guard was enough to want to continue this operation, even though it's against her better judgment. Yeah, she gets like, she puts off like a sexy vibe when like vast criminal enterprises are speculated or talked about. Yeah. Like the whole oceans of methylamine. Um, I remember that's the first time I fell under the Lydia spell, <laughs> the, the, the nose twitching bewitched spell. You, um, you know, the first time she fell under the Todd spell? What? <laughs> When he said, I think we work together good. good. Yeah. <laughs> that's some simple jack uh, shit. That's that's the full retard it, uh, it, yeah. that, that is, is spoken of in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, Todd, Todd, man. Todd. Anyway, so Todd's <laughs> actually drinking tea as well. Yeah. Which I'm sure is to impress Lydia because everything he does is for that. Uh, Lydia wanted him. I, I, I kind of would like to see a spinoff show of the Uncle's Anarchy where they just bu- uh, uh, coming in from every commercial break. It's just them busting Todd's chops about something. Okay. Teasing about sure. his tea, teasing about his sweater, teasing about his uh, love of vaginas, <laughs> teasing right. about the, the uh, collagen injections into his lips. I mean, <laughs> there's so many things you could go. I mean, uh, you could get a couple of three seasons out of material for that. Probably. Well, I hope we see it in Better Call Saul. 
<laughs> spinoff. Um, yeah, let's move on. All right, Walt gets into, um, or sorry, yeah, he gets into New Hampshire and he sees his new house, which is uh, a little sparse. It doesn't have any cable or any internet or any connection to Honestly, the outside world in any way. It's uh, it, it it. I feel like that's like one of the perfect houses. I I would so love to spend like a month there, dude. My granddad, uh, and it's he had went and fucked it up and ran power to it. But for the longest time, he had this cabin <laughs> down in Spencer where there was no power. There, you like he had a fucking outhouse. And I've hold up for there for up a week at a time in this in this winter, and it's mm. glorious. I bet. And you can go outside and see every goddamn star in the sky. It's it's really cool. And he had the same kind of pot bellied stove that you could get like just a living room furnace hot and the yeah. bedroom ice box cold. It's yep. it's it's awesome. There's no internet. There's no cell phone. Yep. Take your pants off. Just wear some you, long you johns. Just, you can yeah, <laughs> yeah. Run into the outhouse, buck naked. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it that house looks awesome. I would like to spend some time there. Uh, anyway, the disappearer tries to impress upon Walt the importance of staying in this house. Uh-huh. Like, stay on the property. Do not go into town. Right. Here's a shot collar. Let me show you how it works. <laughs> and, and so what does Walt do? Walt immediately walks out to the fence dressed as Heisenberg. Heisenberged up. Yep. And uh. it fizzles. Yeah, luckily his cancer stops him. This is the uh, lamest Heisenberg imperson- uh, uh, appearance <laughs> since uh, he got told to go home after <laughs> yeah, cowboying up against Gus. Go home, Walter. It's your curfew, Walter. <laughs> yeah, that was take a sad, your sad Heisenberg. Take your sad revolver, get back in your shitty Aztec, and go <laughs> home. <laughs> um. So I I guess he rode and this is implied in the Breaking Bad Insider cast as well. That he rode all the way from New Mexico to New Hampshire in that compartment in the side of the truck. That's crazy. With the barrel of money. That's crazy. That would be terrible. It would be for a, a man of his age oh. not used to super cold. Well, maybe I guess it does get cold in the desert, but still But in his condition, it's going to be ice fucking cold. There's no insulation. Nope. Oh my god, it would be miserable. Yeah. Uh, I would not want to do that. I couldn't sure. move. I would need like a couple of hot pads and a team of massage therapists to get me mobile after <laughs> being curled up in a ball <laughs> in that cold metal cylinder. Well, he had a TV in there playing uh, Mr. Megorium's Emporium, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, he was watching that for 14 hours. Yeah, people on Facebook were joking about that. They're like, how many times do you think he do you think he broke down and actually watched it during the six oh, months? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, he was quoting it, I am legend style by the time yeah. the six months were up. Yeah, one of the other walls in his house now has the, a quote from that movie on it. <laughs> he actually wore out Spray the first copy it. and had to break in the second one. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so, yeah, Walt goes down to the gate. Um do we want to talk about that at all, or should we just keep going? Yeah, I mean, he's at tomorrow. Manana. Okay. Uh, Jesse's out of his cuffs, and he's trying to reach for the top of his uh, cell when Todd comes to give him a treat for cooking such good meth. Your meth is so good, we're going to give you some Ben and Jerry's. That's mm. right. Ben and Jerry paid a pretty, pretty penny for that uh, product <sighs> placement. Probably. Ben and Jerry's help you break out of a fucking metal box buried in the desert. It's a good commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Spin it up. Let's see it. 
Uh, Jesse takes advantage of his generosity by asking him to leave the tarp off, and when he does, I, I honestly, climbs I, out and tries to escape. I totally thought about like if we had if we were doing this full time, one thing would be awesome is if we cut together various footage of Jesse Pickman over the years and made it like if you, you you've we watched Ninja Warrior, American Ninja Warrior out in Seattle a couple times, right? Yeah. Uh, well, they always have that like the interview tape where someone's like taped them working out or doing crazy stuff. And I'm thinking, like, what kind of interview tape could we make for Jesse Pinkman? Like, Badger spinning around saying, helicopter, bitch. And <laughs> that was his practice. And getting beat up by Hank and beat up by Tuco and beat up hanging from by Crazy Age and yep. hanging from the cell and. Like uh, insta- and, and climbing over that fence into the porta potty that he falls and, through, and, and this is not the first time he's balanced on a bunch of random bullshit. I mean, don't forget the fly episode where oh yeah he had to construct an elaborate sequence to get uh, to try to get that goddamn fly down. So yep. I, th- I feel like we could do a nice little entertaining YouTube supercut of that. Sure. Uh, he tries to escape, but the uncles catch him. Uh, the uncles, obviously, the way they caught him is they have cameras because we saw them. Well, uh, plus, so not much of a stretch there. You know, some people said it's, it's unrealistic that Jesse could get out. They actually, we saw him do the stunt where he got up there and opened the door. And then, um, I, I, I can't remember where I saw this, but there's a YouTube video of a stunt man in that actual pit mm-hmm. getting out, swinging and, and kicking the door and making the door fly open and then levering himself out of the, uh, the, the hatch. Gotcha. So it's yeah. like, it's possible for a, a reasonably fit individual to do that. I don't know about like it was fucking noisy as shit. <laughs> yeah. So between I bet. between that and the cameras, I mean, it, this is a perfect example of Villigan doing the judo on us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we think this is going to be a fun Breaking Bad caper. Jesse's going to paperclip his way out here and stack his shit his shit pail on his bedroll mm-hmm. and science bitch, he's going to be out. Science. Nope. Nope. In real life. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get away with that shit. And, and you're it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you big time. Big time. Because not only do you get bleeped when you try to say the F word. Yeah. Um, you then go, you then get taken to your ex-girlfriend's house and you get to watch her be murdered. While you're beating your head against a window <laughs> hard enough to leave a film of blood. Yeah. Did you notice that? I did. They actually, they said on the Insider cast they put a sponge on his head with uh, a little bit of uh, fake blood on it. So he could smash it against the gotcha, gotcha. the window and it would look like that. Pretty cool idea. Especially since his bulging forehead veins would easily hide an appliance like that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That was an inti- – I mean, I, I mentioned in Incicast I thought this gr- was gratuitous. Like we don't need to see any more Jesse Pinkman torture porn. Yeah. But I will say that performance that he gave after Andrew was shot was something else. Yeah, I mean the performance it's was certainly horrific. Amazing. All it's as horrific a scene all around as anything I've seen on Breaking Bad. Absolutely, uh, I I don't know that I totally agree that it's you know torture porn that we didn't need to see it. I think there's a very clear message being sent that both of these guys are at the very lowest of the low. They are at rock bottom here. Uh, it doesn't get any lower than this. I I'm hey, but Jesse has zero. Pa- I mean, Walt at least has choice jesse has sure. no choice yeah he's well being, he has the choice he has he can he can choose between an array of bad choices yeah yeah and he tried to choose uh to escape mm-hmm. but that just got andrea killed and they remind him obviously that brock is next if he doesn't right you know yeah, he needs to shut up and get down. back in line yeah god those fuckers <sighs> man it's rough yeah the way that todd takes out andrea is just 
so cold. He's like, why it's would, not personal, but boom. Yeah, why would you? I mean, I, obviously, he's a sociopath, a psychopath, or whatever uh, Dr. Louis, uh, Louis uh, tells us he is. Um, but that's kind of horse shit. Why? Like, why would you say, hey, just want you to know nothing personal before you blow someone's brains oh, out? Oh, yeah, what does it matter? Yeah, I mean, that's just uh, another little character detail of Todd's, that he's just a fucking psycho. He, yeah, so it... <laughs> It seems to me like Todd tries to be nice a lot of the time, mm. even when he has to do these horrible things. Mm. Like, he's very matter-of-fact with it. He's going to kill them. Like, they're showing Jesse that they have no remorse killing these people. Right. And the Brock is obviously next. And, and I've they, never seen him be anything it. less than polite. Yeah, yeah. In his dealings with people, he's unusually polite, I think. Even with Jesse, he's like, yeah. you know, hey, uh, you know, and he... And the, the way he's like sharing a cigarette. I mean, he wasn't sharing a cigarette, but you know, like smoking. Yeah. And he had his foot just kind of, kind of like just hanging out with him. Yeah, just checking, checking in on you for saying goodnight, Jim. You know. Yeah. Got you some Weird. ice cream. Why is out? And it's just the way he was, and and it's like creepy. What is him and it's Jesse's working creepy. relationship? Do you think? That must be very bizarre. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they cook together. That's right. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know how you work with that guy. Mm. Uh, anyway, so we go back to over to Walt, um, who has been there for at least a month because we know the disappearer is not going to come back for a month. Um, and he goes out to the gate and the disappearer shows up and he has a bunch of stuff for him. And Walt is at this point desperate to speak with someone, uh, to have some company there. So it makes me think that it's more closer to the four or five month mark. Well, I mean, his hair, his, his hair, beard, his beard has grown out. Uh, the amount of, yeah, I mean, I feel like. This feels cancer at least has like gotten a, way worse too. It feels like this is at least a third time he's been back because he oh had to, yeah he had to come back the one time the first time which he would have gotten a list of requests then the second time where he bring a chemo and this is yep. the third time where he can he references he the first few times he did the chemo he wasn't very smooth he watched the YouTube video so yeah yeah I, I feel like we've got we might have gone the full four or five months I don't know I think you're right. Um, so he asked the guy in, I mean, Walt is in a pathetic state at this point. He, and he pays the guy $10,000 to stay with him for an hour. Oh, and his acting job when he did that and the guy's like, okay, well, do you want to play cards? And he was like, like he had this weird kind of like smile. It's kind of like when you see an old person at a nursing home and I, I don't know. It's like I don't know if you've spent a lot of time around nursing homes, I've but been I unfortunately home, sure. have. Yeah, and it's like some of these old people are so starved for company that like they have this kind of like dopey, kind of cringy smile on their face when anyone comes in their room. Mm-hmm. But also, it's like he had also this underlying kind of like, oh God, thank God he's coming, but oh, I had to pay ten thousand dollars for his <laughs> how far of a, it was just like this. He's disgusted. Brian Cranston is a and, fucking genius, is all I'm saying. He's incredible. And fuck you, Jeff Daniels. You, you, and the Emmy voters perpetrated fraud upon the American. Yeah. P- because because I would accept Brian Cranston not getting it only if it was for John Hamm's first Emmy win. So fuck you, Aaron Sorkin, Jeff Daniels, and everyone involved in the goddamn newsroom. I I mean, aside from a fucking miracle, John has John Hamm has no shot at it next year. Right. No shot, Cranston. Oh. It, he is the best thing on TV this year. 
No, by yeah, far. There's no, if, if Brian, I mean, I feel like the only reason that they, that they didn't sweep the Emmys this year is because, you know, they've got one more year and they can always give it to them. It'll be the swan song and what. But the Emmys just doesn't make sense. Like, I was listening to yeah. Seppenwall being interviewed by Brian, or I'm sorry, Bill Simmons today, and he mentioned that Jason Alexander never won for, for any of his work for, on for George Costanza. for, for Seinfeld. Seinfeld. That's, that's, that's remarkable. Jackie Gleason never won for his work on Honeymooners. Wow. Uh, Martin Sheen never won for his work on The West Wing. Like, some huh. iconic, dramatic, and com- com- comedic roles. And John Hamm, well, I mean, no no one won for The Wire, writing, or any of that shit. Wow. So it's like, the Emmys are kind of like the worst award show <laughs> that I can think of. We're going to start up the Baldies. I mean, maybe Nickelodeon's <laughs> Kid Choice could be stupider. Uh, more stupid, gooder, uh, sure, yeah, gooder yeah. at being dumb. Maybe um, it would work together good. <laughs> but I mean, I'm, that's just a joke. Jeff Daniels on the newsroom over Brian Cranston and John. It's such Hamm. a one note character. And last season's Mad Men was good. It, it had was. the death of Lane Price. It Spoiler had, alert! It had Peggy leaving the office and that brilliant performance he gave when he was saying goodbye. It had John Hamm throwing himself from the roof of the building, <laughs> splattering on the pavement. Uh, every episode, he, they, <laughs> that's how they start each episode, man. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, no, that that's that's criminal. That's ridiculous. Uh, I'm so I like I I when uh, on I because I was I was doing our Breaking Bad shit and I heard that they'd won a couple Emmys. But then they didn't. They didn't take home any of the, you know, supporting actor or any of that stuff. Like I was, I was sad for Jonathan Banks, sad for Aaron Paul. But I just yeah. assumed that like John Hamm got it. <laughs> right. When I found out Jeff Daniels for his work in the newsroom, I about fucking came unglued. And you said season two is really bad. Season well. two. I mean, I don't know. I have. A, I love hate relationship with the show because every once sure. in a while it's really really good. But yeah, they make every one of their characters look like idiots. And Aaron Sorkin's. <laughs> view of women in relationships is insane like i want to write a paper about it uh, do it write a, a treatise on this level on of rage is not good for me we need to move on all right yeah so do the emmys have an award for executing on a concept because i feel like the concept that they were executing on in this scene is done so well uh that i really haven't seen anything else like it I feel like this this man who, I mean, you really have to take the entirety of the series and just shove it all into this one scene, this one sequence, because Walt is sitting here with in total isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything he has worked for and everything he claims to have done was for his family. Yet it's that sit that barrel of money sitting there like Scrooge McDuck's money bin that that he that's can't useless. even get. To his family. Yeah. So not only... And that's not even the worst part of it. The worst part of it is not only can he not get that money to his family and his greatest fear, everything that he did has been for nothing, is coming true. But he's also like... It would have been better for him to have just spent that time with his family. Oh, yeah. Than running around playing Meth Kingpin. Yes. He would have saved them a hell of a lot of heartache yes. and had more time to spend with them. And the worst part, honestly... That's disgusting. Is his his fucking Claire Danes crazy style terrorist board from Homeland newspaper clippings of the hell he's putting his family through? <laughs> oh, while yeah, he's, he's sitting there in that himself. cabin doing jack shit. 
Ah, this scene was hard to watch, honestly. And that's the thing is like he knows he's he's keeping meticulous notes of the detail of of everything that's going against Skylar. Like we paused and we you could read a good portion of the thing that they were mostly focusing on. Yeah, there's no real new information. It's just basically that the authorities are saying that she knew all along and, you know, they're trying to sweat her and all this stuff. And it's just like newspaper clipping after newspaper clipping of how shitty his his wife's. And son and presumably daughter's life is now. Yeah. And he's still sitting out there with that barrel of money doing nothing. But, but, but the, the well, the but sad part is slowly. there's nothing he can do. Well, he could get any time. He could make that stop by taking Saul's advice. Oh, and turning himself in. But yeah. he won't. And that's, and that's where we – Because like, that that's would the be, note we draw on for the end of the episode as well. You're right. I mean if you go back to the very beginning, if he had just taken a leave of absence yeah. from work and – and still left I mean, them with no know. money. The fear that he had at the beginning would have come true. He would have left them with really no money. Yes. But it's made even worse because he could have gone to and Gretchen and Elliot. That, and they he have didn't set up. Go, they, he didn't have to go to them. They came to him. They came to him and he turned it down. He could have given his family the life that he was trying to give them through this meth business. And now that money that he could have taken from them is going to fight the very thing that he set up, this meth empire. Yeah. This drug treatment thing. Yeah. It's like even the Heisenberg character is having his legs chopped out from under him. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. It is just the lowest possible state for Walter White, and I thought it was brilliant. I actually thought it's worse than Jesse's. Well, not worse, but having the choice to do things and not taking it. Yeah. Is that worse than not having any choice at all? Uh, I don't think it's worse for the people – um, making or not making the choices, like for Jesse or Walt, but it's certainly worse for the people who are being affected by uh, those choices that he is not making. I mean, well, I mean what must Skyler be thinking? I mean, we kind of got a, a small view of that with Walt Jr.'s reaction, but what must she be yeah. thinking as the months go by and he's not there and he's not there and he's not there? <laughs> I don't know. And you have I no information know. that you can give to get yourself out of the situation. Yeah. She's just got to endure it. And it's made like even worse than just these newspaper clippings. The disappearer comes back with information on his family and what mm-hmm. they've been up to. I mean, she he tells Walt that she's been working at a taxi dispatch place for um, for money, and she's like now using her maiden name because she's so ashamed of his name. I know. Um, it's great. I, I don't and, know. And you know, he's got new glasses. The, the we we find out. You know, like a, the minor mystery of how he got his new glasses. And also, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, turns out Heisenberg was just some teenage vandal. Just like I, I think I said that last week, that it's probably going to be the uh, the pool skate punk gang that end up doing that. It's not Jesse. Penny. It's not anybody. It's, yeah. it's That makes a lot more sense, right? Yeah. 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 And it's fitting with the Ozymandias theme. Ozymandias theme. Yeah. Uh, while watching this, I actually did find myself... Kind of coming around a little bit on the idea that that Chin, the opinion that Chin has, the evil Chin Empire on mm-hmm. the flash forward. Mm-hmm. Y- you see this man in a cabin just waiting to die, and that is what he's doing at that point. Mm-hmm. It's kind of undermined a little bit by the fact that we know he won't die in that cabin. Nah, I still don't buy that argument. I'm I'm slightly sympathetic to the fact that even if you think this is a good episode, mm-hmm. it is still a lull in the season, and it's almost entirely due to the fact that Vince had to burn six months of showtime. 
Sure, sure. And we had this very cloud atlas structure where we just had these like just glimpses of of the time elapsing, and we didn't really, you know, we're not we're we're getting little a capsule of Jesse Pinkman's horror and Walt White's horror, and we extrapolate from <laughs> Walt Junior. and and or Flynn as he's called now, and and yeah, Skyler, for good reason. all that stuff. It's it's you know, I, I feel like this is the first part I felt like that that flash forward is sandbagged the season because. Oh. Okay. If he was free to do whatever the hell he wanted to, do you think he would have chose? On the other hand, if you think this is a brilliant creative episode. I do. I actually think he might have chosen to do it this way because we had talked. Um, uh, it must have been a couple episodes ago now. Uh, this, the instant cast throws me off in my weeks. We've done yep. like eight podcasts know, right? since two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a little bit about what if they came back from, uh, I guess, the episode before the before the last one so two weeks ago they come back from that firefight with hank and gomi and we had just gone into the flash forward and Mm. we had filled that information in going forward Mm -hmm. like there are other ways you could handle it so that's kind of why i feel like he wanted to one more time just stick it to walt Stick yeah. it to Jesse. Man, sticking it to Jesse's that's the that's the because it's rough, but Jesse's done a lot episode, of bad things. Too. Yeah, but god damn, he's been like I said, <laughs> he's, he's been, been shit on. He's yeah. been painted as he goes. Yes. Like arguably leaving him alive at this point is to be a fate worse than death. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I just felt like part of the reason I just melancholy this episode is because I had to finally accept that no one is gonna get a happy ending. No. That I still no. held out hope that you know Maybe Jesse will kill Walt. Maybe it'll be a mercy killing. He'll be able to be reunited with Brock and Andrea, and he'll have a modicum of a happy ending. Nope. No. No. <laughs> there is no one getting out of this unscathed. No. I mean, even the most innocent person of all, Holly, is going to grow up without a father at the very least. At the very least. Assuming nobody tell and, and being lied to. uh by everyone around her for the rest of her life right. about her father's true nature until she reads it in some, uh, uh, what is the, what is the film that you read in the microfiche. library? It's microfiche. She's looking back through articles, on uh, the microfiche. I'm actually not sure what the difference between microfiche and microfilm is. I don't know. One's small and one uh, is huge. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you clearly don't either. Yeah. So. One, one was made by Ermin Trout. <laughs> um, I think that's all I wanted to talk about. In this scene, actually, no. Uh, Jay from Raleigh, who—that's uh, his Twitter handle—actually sent in an interesting tweet while we were watching this episode, uh, and he said, "Just very simply, Jesse is in a hell of fire, and Walt is in a hell of ice." Ooh, I like the duality there between those two characters. And like you Song said, one has fire. choices, one doesn't have any choices. Um, one is regretting the choices he's made; one is regretting not having made choices. <laughs> I think made decisions can't make a choice. Uh, so I, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting duality between the two character situations. Indeed. So then, any, uh, uh, Walt's wedding ring falls off. Yeah. yeah. Any beyond the obvious symbolism. <laughs> yeah. Um, his... no, not really. I, I mean, it just, it served to heighten the, um, I guess drama of his him just wasting away in this cabin. Yeah, you get skinny enough that your goddamn ring starts falling off your fingers. That's that's pretty. That's some significant, serious shit. Yeah, and all he's been doing is eating and drinking. And sure, I mean that's that stuff doesn't keep you meat on your bones. <laughs> no. 
Uh, but did for shipping a hundred thousand dollars of cash, honestly. <laughs> exactly. So he packs that up and he heads into town, um, where he then decides he's going to call Walt Jr. at school and tell him that he's sending this box of money to him, actually to Lewis. Walt Jr. wearing a very orange is a new black getup with his hoodie and uh, Marty McFly vest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you think he's, you think that means he's going to end up in jail? Will be like, just like his old man. He's going to get involved in the meth trade. I, with one episode left and him hating his father and the stuff he's done with the drugs, no. no. Yeah, I feel like that's the ultimate. Like, everyone that thought that Walt Jr. is going to get in the meth, we didn't see this coming. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. Because this is basically inoculation for life against drugs. Yeah. If you want to rebel against your goddamn meth kingpin father, you're going to yep. be a teetotaling straight edger. And I mean, it should have been clear. I think most of the time we've never seen Walt do a single drug. Walt was yeah, awkwardly trying to buy beer outside one time. Yeah. And he really didn't, well, he wasn't even into that very much. I feel like his gamer tag would be like XXX Flynn XXX <laughs> Lambert XXX. He's, he's a straight, straight edge. edge. Yeah. yeah. All right. Totally. <laughs> nice. Uh, anyway, so he calls up Walt Jr. and says he's sending the money. Uh, Walt tells him, to fuck off. Walt tells him to die, actually. Which is great how they played that, like, little moment where it's similar to, like, the with the Uncle Jack where we weren't sure what kind of a reaction he's going to get. Mm-hmm. And he finally, because I think he was just in shock, and also it's probably good to hear, you know, on some visceral animal level, your father again. Oh, sure. But yeah. then it's like once he started, like, you, you killed Uncle Hank, he didn't stop. Yeah. And he wasn't interested in hearing any of Walt's bullshit. Yep. And lies. Good for him. Good for him. Probably healthy, yes. Yeah. Um, Doesn't give a so shit. after that phone call, Walt calls the DEA to turn himself in, and he sits down to order a drink from the bar, a dimple pinch. I also thought that that scene was very operatic. Okay. That it's almost like, you know, because that's a, 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 like a show tune opera trope where you've got two characters speaking past each other in song. And it's like, it had an interesting cadence because Walt Jr. is like, just stop it. Shut up. And Walt's like, it can't all be for nothing. I don't give a (laughs) shit. I don't want your money, but no, it's all about the, you know, it's like Skyler comes in. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's the, she's, we're, I don't know. We're two seasons too late for the fat ladies. (laughs) Oh Jesus! Oh, that just brought the cat. I, I, I went. I went sad hand job. No, pulled out fat. Why don't you jeans. just die? Yes. Okay, <laughs> I can get behind that. All right. Um, so he sits down. He orders a drink, but then he sees Charlie Rose interviewing Gretchen and Elliot on TV. Oh, and Heisenberg shows up. Heisenberg shows up. He's not happy that Elliot says that his only contribution was the name, especially. Um, he's not happy to hear that the blue is back out on the street and overseas. That. So, so let's 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 talk about this. It's a perfect storm of getting Heisenberg back into the game. So, so, so Walt's upset about his son about seeing Gretchen and uh, Elliot. Number one, he's, well, number one, he's upset about his son just having told him about to his die son and, he's and not now, giving him money. Now it really means nothing. Yep. Uh, he's upset that they claim that he had no material contribution. Yeah. He's upset that the blue is still out there mm-hmm. being spread and cooked and, um, people are given, uh, you know, I don't know that there's a question of whether he's involved in it or not. Yeah. 
Um, which also, true or false, he he deduces that Jesse is still alive. I think so. And he's mad that he realized Jack went back on his word. Yeah, he's been betrayed. Uh, do you want to assign any percentages of where the rage lies? <laughs> oh, or do you think it's equal? Or I, I think a, a, a big portion of it is probably Walt Jr. having just told him to fuck himself. Um, an equally large, if probably not larger portion of it is the pride that he felt um, about you know, the things he's done in his life and Elliot just tearing that down completely by saying yeah. he had no contribution when in fact he was the driving force behind their entire operation yes. in the beginning. Uh, and we know that as an audience. So we sympathize with Walt there, I think a little bit. Uh, I, I'd say those are the two big factors, the main ones. And then the others come into play a little bit. It's funny because once again, we see Walt, if he really wanted to get revenge, it'd have been so much better had he not made that phone call to the cops. And and it, sure. here's, here's my one of my biggest problems with the episode. One is a total shift where you know for the last three episodes, Villigan has taught us that we should hate Walter White. Yeah. And but then last week he kind of gave us a glimmer of redemption, and then this week he took it away from us. But then at the end they kick in the the Breaking Bad theme. It's so kick ass, and it's like it's encouraging us to be like, yeah, fuck yeah, next week. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah. so. Who am I rooting for here? I mean, I mean, I guess Walt to 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 go back and kill the uncles and Lydia and himself, yeah, and spare Jesse. I just, I just, I'm a little confused. And also, Walter White in the flashbacks does not seem like the man at the end of this episode. The flash forward, just so we don't. Sorry, the flash, people. the flash forwards does not seem like the same man. Even though, as 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 a listener points out, and I believe I'll read your email. He's wearing the same clothes. Yeah. So it implies that he's basically going to take that $100,000 in cash. Mm-hmm. The money is going to be eventually, I imagine, afford, you know, he's not going to go back to the cabin. He's going to buy uh, – what did he drive out there? A Cadillac? A Volvo? He? A Volvo? Yeah. Is that what he did? Yeah. He he's going to he's gonna drive cabin. a shitty Volvo back to New Mexico. He's going to buy a machine gun for God knows how much money. He's going to tip a waitress 100 bucks and be on his way. That's not the same dude. The same dude that broke his bacon was kind of broken. I mean, he just and, and yeah. said, "Hey, Carol," totally unconcerned. Doesn't seem like a man who freshly alerted the cops to his presence and coming back to Albuquerque with vengeance in his heart. Yeah, there's- like it's hard for me to square what we already know to how we ended this episode with him getting the old Heisenberg snarl and the set in his jaw. And- yeah. I, I, There's no Heisenberg in the man we see in the flashback. No, it's, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a resigned. He's sort a man of guy. that's got the weight of the world on his shoulders, and he's there to do a job. Yeah, some he's he's there to do something. I, I mean, of course, it's a long drive to New Mexico. <laughs> we don't know what happens between now and then. So, how many lungs who, he coughs up? Yeah, who knows what happens? But I'm with you that. That flash we see at the very end of Heisenberg does not jive with the man we see in the flash forwards. Uh, but we'll see where it goes. We will see. I really like the shot at the end of this um, this scene where there is no one left in the bar. And that is very much like Walt's life. There is no one left in Walt's life, you know? Yeah. He's driven them all away or... It had them all murdered or one of the various things he does to people. 
Uh, Do you notice it's a hundred dollar tip to the bartender? I thought it was twenty. Maybe oh, was I thought 100. it was a hundred. Either like, way, so that tells you Walt had just left that bar when those troopers rolled up. Yeah, because for the, damn sure Barton is going to pick up a hundred dollar exactly, tip. Exactly, it's a twenty dollar tip. Like ignore the half <laughs> half drink drink. That doesn't matter. Yeah. It's that tip. That Barton is going to snatch it up as soon as he's gone. Yeah. So, yeah, he just left. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I ultimately, when I think about it more after the instant cast, I like the episode a little bit more, just because of how effective Walt stuff is here. I mean, no, I'm I'm at peace with it. It just, if it makes sense, I just didn't like watching it. I didn't enjoy the experience of watching it. That doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, it just. I didn't want to see more of Jesse being brutalized. I didn't want to see okay. Walt vacillate <laughs> between a redemption and, and again, you know, those are my kind of pet peeves by the tonal, sh- weird tonal shifts and weird kind of meandering characterizations. And, um, you know, it's, it's too bad. We couldn't have a meat and potatoes episode like this towards the beginning of the season yeah. where it's like, you know, I think, I. Everything's been nines and tens until we got to this episode, and it sucks that it's the penultimate one. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you're just <laughs> expecting action. Man, I'm not an action whore. Yeah. Come on, the people. The Fly is one of my favorite episodes. Well, you, I mean, you, that's the other thing is you got lumped into that, and you were quite a bit higher in episode than me. But I'm just like. Yeah, I did like this episode a lot. You know, if anything, I'm just, I don't know, man. I really am attached to some of these characters, and I hate seeing them go out like this. So, if that makes me a whiner, then I will continue to whine. And <laughs> for the next week, yeah, until the show's I'm over, I'm locking myself in my room. And I'm not coming out till Sunday night. <laughs> All right, <laughs> perfect. Uh, so before we get into our feedback or any kind of pimping of our own, we have a little bit of Some Kickstarter reward pimping to special do. Special pimping, very special pimping uh, for Dan, who is uh, a musician. And he makes uh, a whole bunch of music that he calls chill out, down tempo funk. Just We're really cool to stuff. Some of it right now. In fact. We are listening to some of it right now. You can actually find all of his music at madeofwoodmusic.com. Um, he has a Breaking Bad remix that he mm-hmm. did, which is pretty sweet. Uh, thinking of using that for the outro mm. this week. Not bad, not bad. I think that's a good idea. We'll do that. Fuck it. Let's use it for the intro, too. <laughs> all right. Let's do Let's it. Let's fucking go all out on... on uh... Retroactively, we're going to put it in the intro. I, and, and honestly, it's people... It's a weird time warp. When I saw... The, you know, because we don't got any, obviously, controls of what, what people uh, kickstart. You know, this is... Because this is a kickstarter reward level. Yeah. Pitching a certain amount of money. We, we pimp your shit. And I'm like, oh, God. Amateur musician... <laughs> this this is going to be this is going to be some some sorry shit, and then and I'm like hold my breath and then Jim plays the first track and like almost immediately I'm like I kind of dig this yeah head start bobbing and, then, and, and then the beat and then and then he's like this 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 nasty chunky funky beat hits and I'm like oh yeah, yeah this is not going to be embarrassing at all this is actually going to be pretty awesome yeah it's I enjoy his stuff a lot actually um. I was thinking this would be really good music to work to because it kind of has like this. this <laughs> that, that, I think chill. that should be Dan's new tagline: "Made of wood." <laughs> music not, to work to. Not embarrassing at all. <laughs> <laughs> not embarrassing at all. It is not embarrassing. No, uh, you should be proud. I wish. I wish I could create shit like that. Uh, so he has uh, an album out that, that's out right now called "The Chill Funk Trip." 
And he's also got an album he's working on called Narcotherapy Hypnosis, which is kind of reminiscent of that. Narco uh, Corridor. Narco Corridor. Negro, music. yeah. Yeah. Neg- ne- ne- Negro? Yeah, Negro. I, I think so, yeah. Uh, and little known fact, well, it was little known until I learned it. Uh, he's from New Mexico, Albuquerque, actually. Yeah, the ABQ. So you got a local boy making it good in the ABQ with some cool music. He's making it good. So yeah, he's, you can find he is not he is not slicing or cutting those tracks and passing the savings on to you people. No, he's breaking up those tracks, putting them in teens, and dishing them out he's to all the about ABQ. The milfs, the the, the Benjamins. <laughs> <laughs> and shitty MySpace web. No, no, actually, the, the chili. He's got a nice, the chili nice website too. What's his yeah, URL? So, so if you want to go there and check out all of his music, and I suggest you do, it's called madeofwoodmusic.com. Uh, and you can find him on Twitter actually at madeofwoodnm for New Mexico. So check out his stuff. And thank you, Dan, for sponsoring uh, the show. We're we're really grateful. Do we have any pimping of our own to do? We do. I want to abbreviate it because I don't want to take away from uh, Made of Wood here. Okay. Uh, you know, if you want to listen to all of our shit, you can find it at the Bald Move Network. We released uh, one of our other Kickstarter reward uh, stretch goal levels, our Q&A podcast in video form and audio form. Boom. You can get that at baldmove.com. Um, yeah. You can also find out what uh, Deep Space Nine character i would look like it was a wide-ranging topics it's we talked about our our growing up together our religious background um i told something that annoys me about you you completely pussed out i've got one you leave your fucking soda out on the counters that drives me insane what are you talking about you take you take your sodas out of the fridge and you uh-huh. leave them on the counter for them to get warm so that you can cool them back up again or I, cool them that's back down why again. that that's why i use ice motherfucker that's insane that's, that's what why you I'm, have a refrigerator for you know what's insane having three ice trays on your kitchen counter right now bitch <laughs> i and have only, ice in the freezer one not tray. a problem not a problem well when you leave your pop out you need constant trays <laughs> so obviously there are things that's that annoy it. I'm each done other with this fucking podcast <laughs> why don't you just Tensions die spoiled over <laughs> <laughs> shut up. Just shut up. Anyway, what uh, were you saying? I don't even remember. You're pimping our stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we got that out. Yeah. Um, we've got the personal arrogance guys out of Seattle. They're fucking rad. Uh, we got the uh, the girls from the Because Show out of L.A. They are also rad. They did this really cool cross-pollination thing where they traded topics and yep. uh, did their show on that style. Uh, Kelly and Tom are... Uh, handling up yours downstairs um they just handled titanic i wish they had let us know about their live tweeting of the emmys because we totally could have gotten them a little little uh love on that because i'm and it was i'm sure it was hilarious oh yeah yeah they're both funny yeah and it's man and sundays have been a tv apocalypse because breaking bad just dominates it i really wouldn't mind seeing (laughs) emmys and being enraged by them and i have to wait for boardwalk anyway um the ways you can support bald move Leave us reviews on iTunes if you haven't already. Uh, use your Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com to buy your shit on Amazon. And tell a friend. Yeah. Cinnamon2baldmove.com. All right. Perfect. Let's do some emails. We have no voicemails this week. Our Kickstarter backers decided, you know, we've done enough of those voicemails. Yeah, we've, we've, we've uh, done our solids uh, for several weeks in a row. Yeah, and, so uh, nothing this time. We're saving up the ammo for next week. We might, Probably. We might have to do like a special feedback edition. You know, I am not opposed to that. I This show for, deserves like, it. You're only going to have one final episode of Breaking Bad, and I am open to anything we can do to give the fans closure. 
<laughs> and ourselves. Okay. Let's film a finale ourselves. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, his first email, Lewis fucking PhD R. <laughs> nothing, he says, nothing like having my doctorate degree besmirched in a great international positive. Did we just besmirch it? No, no, no. We're just you, fucking around, man. Yeah, you, you fucked with him. Except for your ice thing. No. Um, he says, psychopaths or serial killers are also unemotional, but they may have different motives for their crimes. It's usually not financial. I've not seen Dexter, but I hear he kills other criminals. He does kill. Uh, if you haven't seen Dexter, I've heard that the final season will make, or if you have seen it, the final <gasps> oh. season will make you regret ever watching it. Yeah. You, if you really are interested in getting a sample of Dexter, watch seasons one through five and then shut that shit off. Yeah. Get out. Because Jonathan Lithgow is the best thing that happened to that series, and he's in season five. Author's in season two. No, no, okay. it takes a while to okay. get to him. But the first few seasons are actually pretty good. All right, so that is, I think, clearing up a question you had last week. Chris M says there's a painting that we see in Walter's hospital room after his fugue state. It's a man in a small boat rowing out to sea with his family waving sure. to him on the shore. We see the painting again at a hotel room when Walter's ordering the hit on Mike's guys in jail. The painting is mirrored perfectly in Ozymandias in the space between Walt and his family as Walter Jr. calls the police. What do you think of that? Oh, where he's like... Oh, he's isolated and his whole family is on the other yeah, side. Yeah, that's and the shot that I was talking about where they pull away from yeah. the family and toward Walt. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, Shep says, both Skylar and Marie referred to Walt Jr. as Flynn. If I recall correctly, Walt is the only one who called him Jr. I don't think he'll ever want to be called that fucking name again. <laughs> Maybe Heisensperm, but definitely not Junior. <laughs> uh, I wonder if... He also wonders if yeah. uh, he'll trim his facial hair into a Hitler mustache when he goes <laughs> against... When he uses the M60 against the Nazis of anarchy. Wow. No, no, but twist. yeah, like the Hitler mustache died died with Adolf and oh, yeah, Charlie can't. Chaplin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, you can't get away with that. Although, fun fact, every once in a while, I shave my beard. That's that's the final step in every man shaving his beard. Because I go, first I go, like, with the giant Wolverine chops, uh-huh. and I do, like, the handlebar walrus, and then I go to full walrus, and then I go just the, the pedo mustache, and then I finally do the Hitler. <laughs> do you ever do the monkey tail? I've never done the monkey around? tail. I've never that's done the monkey awesome. tail. Because that, like, that's the thing is, like, once you did monkey tail, you got nowhere else to go but the Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. You got no more to sit stage. Monkey tail straight to Hitler. But if you had a beard, I, I, every guy's had a beard, I guaranteed when he shaved it, he's at least spent five seconds looking at himself at the Hitler. What would I look like if I had yeah, a Hitler? If I was a fucking genocidal maniac. Yeah. Uh, Isaac says it's quite possible that the cartel from either Mexico or Chile, Gus's peeps, show up, and that's who Walt has to ultimately deal with. What? Walt has been fucking with these guys' gone. money for a better part of a year. Why wouldn't they go after him, assuming they know who he is? All previews, as vague as they can be, say about this ep- next episode, the event set long ago come full circle. Even Juan Bolsa in season two or three told Gus that the cartel wouldn't fuck around. What are your thoughts? We had a couple no, other people email. they were trying to kill Gus, and that was the extent of it. Well, but his Pinochet... Uh, connections is yeah. a loose end, and Vince said that they would all be. Nah, like what if he, it's going to stay that what way. What if he contacts the cartel and let him and let him know that these uh, uncles of anarchy are cooking the cooking, blue, cooking the blue, and they ride up against them. It's it's such a long dead thread. Why would they resurrect that? So was Jane. <laughs> That's true, but that was always like a big one in everybody's mind. You know, 
man, there's people holding a candle for Gus. Really? And that was an awful lot of detailed background information for a character you're just going to blow the face off of a couple episodes <laughs> later. I guess so. I, I play devil's advocate because I also yeah. think it's it's a it's a cold case. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that we had at least three people in Elma Ellison. Isaac was the first one to mention it, so he got the, the credit for it. But. All right. Well, I wouldn't totally discount the idea that it could come back because, like you said, he's only got 55 minutes. But if Villigan said all loose ends will be tied up. Yeah. There will be no stone left unturned. Well, if he, so if he doesn't tie it up, can we, like, yeah. round him up and yeah, throw, him in a, his house. throw him in a cell in the middle of the Mexico desert? Shave and, his mustache and down him, to a Hitler. And make him film the, the, the Breaking Bad finale we deserve. <laughs> we get him up. Are you ready to start, are you ready to start filming? <laughs> ready to start writing? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that final episode got... Got seven million viewers, Vince. I think he deserves some rocky road. Uh, moving on to the new stuff. Watts says, you guys mentioned Hank's shitty cell phone and tried to place what year the series takes place in. Jack mentioned taking out Bin Laden, so you surmise it had to be after May 9th, 2011. Well, if Breaking Bad's wiki is to be believed, you're 100% right. I love it when I'm accidentally right. Yeah. Walter White's birthday is listed as September 29th, 1959. This would mean the first episode, Walt's 50th, takes place in September 29th, 2009. And we see him and Denny celebrating his 52nd episode, 52nd birthday at September of 2011. This also means Walt could have only gone into hiding sometime between early June to the end of September, meaning he's gone for only about four months. You know... That makes sense. I actually was rolling with that, except for what the where the fuck in New Hampshire is it still snow covered in June to September? So I feel like the timeline the- is is you're really not supposed to. It's supposed to be just near future. They said current. in the Insider podcast that this cabin is like ten thousand five hundred feet above sea level. No, so it's so snowy. It's, up there. it's snowy all the time. I wonder if it's not. Yeah, man, that's. I don't know. I thought you had to be quite a bit above that. Above that, that yeah. Because, like, like, Breckenridge, Colorado, I feel like that's, like, 9,000, 9,500, and it's sure as shit not snowy all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, look at the Indiana boy. <laughs> we don't have a hill bigger than 500 feet tall. We don't know <laughs> what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. Brian H. has an excellent email. He says, Walt isn't a dog. He's the dog catcher, and each one of the dogs are his responsibility. Gail's a problem dog, and as much as it hurt the dog catcher, he had to put the problem dog da- down. Hank was the rabbit dog, and again, as much as it hurt the dog catcher, someone's got to put the rabbit dog down. Hmm. Jesse is the stray dog, and the dog catcher finally has a chance of redemption. He has to at least try and save the stray to try and make up for the guilt he feels about the other dogs. Jim, what do you think of that? Uh, I think that's a fairly awesome theory. I love it. Yeah. We'll see if the dog catcher turns breaks good. We'll see. Uh, Graham H. says, first off, why would Jesse try to escape knowing the second he does, Andrew would get the axe? It seems a bit foolish in your, in his opinion. What do you think, Jim? Uh, I, I wonder if he wasn't going to try to escape and then go directly to Andrea's house and get them out of there. Yep. And then maybe um, try to get to the disappearer or just yeah. do the Alaska plan. Well, he can't use the disappearer, but yeah, he could try to get out. Yeah. That that was my guess. He's yeah. he's making a run for the border. Yeah, with Andrea and Brock. Uh, maybe they can resettle in Juarez for season oh, two Jesus. of the bridge. Yeah, Jesse's head end up on a turtle. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, have you watched any of the bridge? Oh no, I haven't. Man, I can't wait to see what you think of that. 
Uh, secondly, why exactly did Saul use the cleaner? Was it due to the fact that he thought Huel was gone and uh, the walls were closing in on him, fearing Jesse was after him? It was a bit random, he thought. I, I think he nailed it. Like, Huel going rogue shook Saul to his core. He got no friends. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right about that. I mean, he seemed very worried about that when he went to see Walt at the car wash. Um, I think also maybe there's a little bit of... I don't know how much of a trail Walt left behind, so combined with this Huel thing, I might as well get out of here, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, maybe he thinks Walt's misfortune is going to lead back to him. And I never know, like, so obviously what Saul's Skyler doing, could give him up. What Saul's doing as an officer of a court is illegal, right? What What do you mean? Like his giving his client advice for law- money laundering. I mean, couldn't I'm oh, thinking totally. why, why couldn't he take protection like legal protection? Like, wouldn't he, why couldn't he just turn himself in and be like, I was, you know, Walt's lawyer. He's he confided to me recently about all the crimes he's committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he probably has I've, tapes. I've got information. Yeah, we've seen a like shitload maybe, of tapes in his safe. You know, if you, if you if your choice is between fucking Nebraska. <laughs> And, you know, working, cooperating with the feds and and maybe going to witness protection where you'd have a little bit more say. I I don't know. Well, I wonder if a large portion of his income doesn't come from his criminal lawyering and if that would just totally wipe that out anyway. Uh, Plus, if he's got a good amount of, if he's got a good chunk of change. Yeah, he can. You think it's like he he doesn't have to leave all of his money. Like, why the hell would he be uh, managing a Cinnabon just for shits and grins? Keep up appearances. He, he, uh, man, yeah, he could get a new haircut, get some fresh threads, work <laughs> that Kevin Costner angle in Nebraska <laughs> for as long as it could take you, man. I'm Kevin Costner. <laughs> that would go over huge in Omaha. Uh, they're all about that uh, dances with wolves shit. Uh, Joshua W. says, I've been doing some digging on Lydia to try to get to understand her better and perhaps get a glimpse of her fate. This email... Alternately, it was thought-provoking and hilarious. I'm not sure if they intended, if, if it was supposed to be like some of these things or tongue-in-cheek or what. But Okay. So, 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 so follow me here. Keep in mind that Lydia's last name is Quail, or Quail like the bird. Yep. I figure you can understand a lot about Lydia by looking at the Quail. Sure. Lydia always sense. wears blue and her last name is Quail, which can also be seen in the Scaled Quail or Blue Quail, which ironically enough is native to New Mexico. The Scaled Quail has thick feathers that look like fish scales at first glance to predators, but are just for show. On the interior, they're just soft feathers, which is just like Lydia, pretending to be hard and callous on the outside, but huh. it's all for show. From the I'm New- liking this so far. From the New Mexico <laughs> Department of Game and Fish. Quail are a relatively short-lived species, relying on high productivity over a short period of time. Maximizing their production is a key to maintaining quail populations. This gives insight into why Lydia is always pushing for expanding the meth to international areas, as well as her obsession with purity. Okay. So far, so good, right? Yep, yep. Here is the money quote. Aristotle believed that quails could safely eat toxins like hemlock that normally killed humans. They fatten themselves on poisonous seeds. This could be a clue as to Lydia's fate. I believe after researching these quail characteristics that Vince Gilligan is hinting to us that Lydia will, in fact, be poisoned by the ricin, by Walt. Whether or not it's effective, that's another story because she could have her quail-like. Yeah. yeah. I have to say a lot of people who are far less educated on the quail have also speculated about that. That's so true. It's possible. Here's the thing where I'm not sure he's just fucking with me. All right. Last bullet point. Quail also use explosions or loud noises to distract a predator while they make their escape. 
explosions and loud noises. Like loud noises, maybe a quail can like coo exceptionally loud, but explosions. explosions. What maybe they, that's, like, maybe they, that's like he's typing it on an iPhone and it just auto-corrected to explosions. Uh, what could it have been? Uh, good you know question. What? I prefer I to know. think of the, the blue-scaled quail as just being able to naturally produce explosions <laughs> like the bomb, bombardier beetles. That makes sense. Like Explosion Man, basically, the video game. All right. The guy who came up with Dead Man's Brew is officially on board with the quail the theory. The quail theory. The quail <laughs> yeah. theory is alive and kicking. All right. It is. Isaac K said, Gretchen and Elliot and Charlie Rose. Did I not fucking call it? Sometimes you got to gloat, right? He's taking that gun back to Grey Matter and to the Nazis. Okay. Is it on the table that Walt is actually going to machine gun up Grey Matter? Fuck no. He's just going back into action as Heisenberg. Taking taking out the blue. Making that. Yeah, those... I don't believe for a second that Elliot and Gretchen were the thing that actually bothered All him right. here. All right. Now I could be proven totally wrong next episode, and I will eat that crow. Well, Raymond G is gonna gonna force feed you some. A I week will eat early. that quail. He says Heisenberg needs to exact revenge on two fronts. One is to take out a bloody revenge on Jack and his minions. Two is to discredit Gray Matter and put Gretchen and Elliot on the poorhouse. The first one is fairly straightforward and is basically what everybody says about him going back and ventilating some some Nazis what need killing. Yeah. Uh, for number two, Revenge, I think this is going to be like the ending to Trading Places and like many other stock market-related movies. I just did not know how Heisenberg will do it yet. I can see him discrediting Gray Matter by showing that some of his drug money was being funneled through Gray Matter. This connection would cause a company's stock to plummet into non-existence. But how will Heisenberg use this inside knowledge to make money off of it? Will he somehow get Skyler and Marie into his plans so that they are the ones to make millions off the fall of Gray Matter? <laughs> short sell it. So short sell on that shit. Now, yeah. There's another reader a little bit later that has the other half of this strategy, which I think is interesting. So hold tight, okay. Raymond G. Uh, you got uh, you got some listener support. Titus D says, is this the natural end to the story? If we hadn't seen that flash forward, would we have gotten here? I cannot help it, but in these last few episodes, I feel that a lot of what has happened was to serve the flash forward, not the story. Hmm. Well, it seemed choppy that in 506... Uh, Mike says Todd's prison connections don't worry him then, and they don't worry me now. Only to be Walt's final downfall in 513. What about Walt going full Heisenberg, only to say Hank and Jesse can't be touched? I feel Walt has had his family on tiers of importance. Tier 1, Holly. Tier 2, and Junior. Tier 2, Skyler. Tier 3, Hank Marie. Tier 4, Jesse. How could the brilliant Heisenberg not have had an if-the-shit-hits-the-fan endgame? I thought he was. I think he thought he was retired, man. Yeah, the brilliant Heisenberg wasn't the brilliant Heisenberg, and I don't think he's ever going to be the brilliant Heisenberg anymore. I think he's going to try to be a shadow of what Heisenberg was in this final episode. Uh huh. But yeah, he he was retired. I mean, even before Hank found out, right? He was done with it all. Yeah, had it not been for that fucking journal, yeah, or that fucking um, Walt, Walt Whitman, Whitman collection, yep. he would probably have gotten away scot free. Uh, which just blew my mind. I mean, I didn't see that coming. I figured that Declan or somebody be coming gunning for him. I didn't, you know, expect all this shit to come to his door. James D said it would be awesome if Villigan released all the press clippings Walt collected. It would give us all satisfying little bits to forgive having a condensed, a long time period in one episode. Those little bits are why books are nearly always better than the movie version. I should note that I've finished a Wheel of Time twice, so I'm probably an extreme minority. Oh, geez. I've tried to finish the Wheel of Time four times, and I haven't got through the first fucking book. I so. got stuck on the Wheel of Time. Congratulations! Yeah, I got the Wheel of and gave up. Uh, so there you go, James. Um, 
That would be. I mean, they did it before with, yes. with Gail's lab notes. Why can't we get a, a Walt's a crazy Claire Danes Homeland terrorist? <laughs> that would ball, be awesome. Ward, oh, Ward Ball Ward. Ball board, wall board, cork board, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, find the guy. No, I, I think that would be awesome, actually. Yeah, I mean, even if it's a, you know, just a couple of pages on their website, or if it's, or if it, they, they, you know, uh, milk this for all it's worth and make it a DVD release or Blu-ray release. Oh, sure, yeah. that would be easy for them to do. Yep. So I'm right with you there. Derek Gage said it wasn't until this episode that I had a theory that Todd is working for Walt. Here's his bullets of support. Oh, boy. Todd saves Jesse multiple times. He opts not to kill Skylar. It's said over and over how much Todd loves Walt. Gives Jesse ice cream? Weird. <laughs> Todd is keeping Lydia close, possibly because Walt needs uh, or wants or needs her dead. Now, look, Derek, it's all about it's all about the thumbs and the forefingers touching in a diamond pattern, apparently. Yes, yes, and held to your crotch. Yeah, it's all about vaginas that have a, a one and a half inch <laughs> diameter and like a good six inch slit length. Uh-huh. That's what it's all about for Devil. Um, <laughs> Todd's keeping. Uh, oh, I already said that. When Walt ordered Jesse to be killed, he knew Todd would step in and make it seem like Walt really did have it in for Jesse. Todd and Walt are working together. Gilligan is great at plot twists and putting things in front of us that weren't always there. Walt's last call to Todd was, I have one last job. Could that be what set Walt's master plan in motion? Jim, what do you think of this theory? I think it's a little out in left field. Bridge too far? Yeah, I I buy Todd's behavior is all based on Lydia. I really do buy that. Yeah. I mean, he's been just creepy enough with the lipstick and the... And and if it, if it was all for show that that hatred that he had for Jesse in that episode with the I I fucked Jane yeah. confession that that was just for Jack show that there was no call for that. Well, I I mean I know it wasn't all for show if you if you buy what the Villigan says, which maybe you don't. But now in the Breaking Bad Insider podcast, they talked about that scene and the the expression on his face and what it meant and everything. Now, if you if you posit there's going to be some kind of Mexican standoff situation, I don't. Is that racially insensitive? Uh, it's just what it's called in Western movies. Okay. Uh, so if you have a Mexican standoff situation and or, or and you're asking me, will Todd feel some conflict between his uncle and Mr. White? I believe it's the New Mexican New Mexican standoff. standoff yeah. <laughs> Uh, the ABQ shuffle. Uh, I, I would believe that maybe you'd see some of that. It could, yeah. But yeah, having him be like a sleeper agent this whole time seems like it would be a bridge, a little bridge too far for me. Uh, Mallory K says Walt was wearing the same clothes last night when he ran out in the that he was in in the flash forwards. And the flash forwards, his clothes are filthy, so I don't think he returns to the cabin for supplies. And now that the heat is on from new. Hampshire, they'll soon find his cabin and seize the rest of his money. So now he's left with his insure money, roughly 100000 Maybe that last $100 bill he leaves at Denny's is his last money. That makes me feel bad for him and his family, although I know he doesn't deserve it. After all he went through, <laughs> he still ends up poor and sick. Yeah. Again, it, totally, Mallory, and it begs the question. That's not the right phrase for this, but whatever. Sure, it asks yeah. the question. It raises the question. Yes. Would, would Walt have been much better off... You know, going on medical leave and, you know, racking up $100,000 of debt, going to Disney World and spending time with his family. I don't even think that's a question. I think it's 
invariably yes. Especially when the option, the real option, wasn't that bleak. He could live the rest of his life in relative comfort, getting state-of-the-art medical care, having his family's bills taken care of. All he had to do is swallow his fucking pride. Yeah, and now his his family is living. In, his family has had his, their house taken from them. Everything. He's crushed their spirits entirely. Uh, What'd you say, Skyler was doing? She's living in some house off Eubank as a... She's doing a taxi dispatch. That's it. God. Yeah, I mean, so not only did he not leave them with any money, but he lost them their house. Mm -hmm. Congratulations, Walt. Yep. Uh, Daryl says, hey, guys, I've been thinking about Todd and what he came to represent. This is a heavy email, FYI. Okay. Uh, I've been thinking about Todd and what he has come to represent during his last season. It would be easy and obvious to see Todd as simply force of evil. I think Todd is a force of nature. Specifically, I think he represents something that's been lurking around the show since the first episode. I think Todd represents cancer. This is at least the third character who's been the personification of cancer, <laughs> but I like his take. Sure. He says, if you'll indulge me for a paragraph, I will explain my fairly personal take on this. Several years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. I had a cancerous mass that took up 40% of my bladder. It had grown slowly, and although it was terrifying, I came out alive and relatively unscathed after a couple of difficult years. Not long after that, the woman I'd lived with for 10 years discovered a lump in her breast. In just a few short weeks, she went from being as healthy as anyone to stage 3 breast and lymph node cancer. Her prognosis was grim. Her last several years have been torturous, but she's doing well today. Tomorrow is unknown, but today she's happy and at work. I don't know why we two are alive. I don't know why brain cancer killed my 14-year-old cousin only a few years before all this happened either. Todd mm. represents cancer to me because we want it to be predictable, but it isn't. We want it to have methods we get. Hmm. We want cooperation, but it has its own schedule. As Uncle Jack said, the heart wants what it wants, and so does cancer. And as Todd says, with all honesty, it is not anything personal. Sorry for your loss. Fuck cancer, man. It took my grandma yeah. before her time as well. Yeah, mine too. And... It's uh, I I live in constant fear fear of it. Honestly, I had a lump in my shoulder a couple months or a couple Ooh. years ago, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's probably cancer. I'm what about fucked. all the lumps on your ass? <laughs> <laughs> Those are hard earned. Thank <laughs> you very much. Not not to joke about it. It's very serious, but yeah, that's that's rough. Uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, many many um, analogies here with cancer and different characters. Uh, and I think the unpredictability of Todd is something we've certainly talked like about. Too, even he's, in this also, episode. He, he's so benign. He's just, he seems like it. Yeah. But then he'll kill you on little, the spot for no reason. He's this wholesome little air thing. Just like cancer is something from your own body makes. Yeah. Yeah. Your own body decides like, ah, I'm just going to fucking do a replicate a, these I'll, shitty cells. I'm going to take a wrong turn to Albuquerque, the genetic code and kill you with it. Yeah. Fucking yeah. shit, man. It sounds like Todd to me. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for that email, Daryl. I appreciate it. T.S. Uh, said, for way too long, I've been a... T- Uh-oh. We've got a confessions of Team Walt. Oh, come on. No, no, All no. Right. No, no. A confession. This isn't... This isn't a- oh, this is a conversion? Yes. Yeah. For way too long, I've been Team Walt. I guess it's because for so long, I emphasized on some level with that emasculated, whipped man, the man who had no control over anything. He was just a sad, powerless man who had an opportunity to call the shots. I think many of us connected with him and lived through him. Most of us probably wouldn't want to kill so many people. Most of us. Some of us, sure. Uh-huh. uh-huh. But who doesn't want to be the best at something and make tons of money for it and finally have the power to make people do what we want? So okay. in the past, I did rationalize every one of Walt's killings. Well, 
He wasn't really responsible for Jane and Drew. He only really killed bad people or people in the game who knew their life was on the line. Drug dealers, Gus, Mike, Mike's guys, even Hank and Gomez. In this episode, however, with Andrea's death, it finally clicked that a totally innocent and sweet woman was killed ultimately because of Walt. And my idealized version of Walt, who is on his way to save Jesse or his family, was wrong. <laughs> Walt is going back to his same to, to save his name, his Heisenberg legacy. Honestly, that's ninety percent of my emotional dislike of this episode is because I just I just realized how shitty everything was. Yeah, this and show is going to end really, really shitty. It's going to be interesting as we watch. I wonder how I will after being through this season when I rewatch Breaking Bad again. What. It you know like like the first season that plays like so much like a black comedy and even season two, like yeah. what that will look like, it like if it'll completely change the vibe if you know Jesse doing his funny <laughs> where he inflates his bunny suit and dances around <laughs> like and that stuff will still play as funny if it will just be kind of yeah but you know what it's leading to and it yeah. just makes it all the more sad yeah that there was a character who had some spirit in him some life yeah. It's all been drained out of him at the end. Yeah. Oh, man. It's kind of like this guy. I'm afraid it'll be like, because I used to, uh, my company used to be involved in the Riley's Children's Hospital fundraiser, and we'd always volunteer to work to telebooths and, or tele, telethons and stuff. And mm-hmm. every year they'd come in and give this presentation at our annual meeting. Uh-huh. And they'd always show like a, a, a video of uh, like a child. And, like, you know, you'd see them at birthday parties and stuff, and you'd see them at the children's hospital. And sometimes they'd live, and sometimes you'd find out at the end of the video they'd die. It was just killer, man. Because you see all these things, these happy families, and, like, this shit that that destroys their life. And, like, you know, we'll give money. I wonder if that's going to be like watching Breaking Bad now. Probably. (laughs) It's like, you know, all these scenes we thought were funny or quirky or invested, it's going to be like, oh, this is all so sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's interesting. It's not your typical show in that it's going to kind of end, you know, with a good outcome, at least for some people. I I really don't feel like there's anybody who's going to get out. I don't know. Like, Band of Brothers is pretty fucking bleak, and I still love the first few episodes and still can get wrapped up in, you know, how funny some of the basic training is and how cool some of the first going. So, I I don't know. We're we're good at compartmentalizing us. Us human beings. (laughs) Sure. Us Walter Whites. Uh, Matthew B says, I'm not sure if you guys have heard it yet, but we found out what the hockey game was on TV for bar during the final scene. Okay. It was a classic college hockey game from 1998 between Wisconsin oh. and Denver. Denver went up three to one in the third period and Wisconsin responded by scoring six goals in the third to win seven, four, a classic hockey hockey game from 1998. With historic comeback is Villigan trying to say, tell us something. Two other things to note. The game was on February 13th, 1998, which was a Friday, Friday the 13th. Also, <laughs> mascot for Wisconsin, the Badgers. <laughs> Is this saying the Badgers making a comeback, Jim? Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> Matt yeah. Neary says, I love how Walt tried to be Heisenberg with Saul and failed completely to have Saul walk out, then shrank into a pathetic human for months in New Hampshire, about to give it up, but rejuvenated with stupid Elliot and Gretchen. I had chills at the end of this episode, sick to think about what a completely lost and frustrated Heisenberg was capable of doing. The Schwartzes will be back, and I hope we finally learn how things went bad between them before Walt kills them all. Hmm. 
and he points out that it wasn't a listener that made the connection between the Schwartz black and white gray. It, it actually spells that out in the first season at Elliot's birthday party. Yeah, that's weird. Okay. I mean, we had a lot of people write in about that, so I assume it's correct. I haven't had the chance to go back and look, so. Sure. Yeah. First, in season one's one of the ones I haven't seen in a long time. We watched the yeah. first couple episodes to do recaps for them uh. um, several times, honestly. But, like, episodes three through seven, I haven't seen in a long time. Yep. Uh, Rick from Pennsylvania says, I feel sick to, sick to my sick to my stomach, but I have to give the episode credit as that this really is the way the show has to go. We're all dreaming of a guns blazing ending where Jesse would be saved by Walter White and has seen the air of his ways on death's door, but that has never been the Villigan's MO. Check this shit out. Heisenberg's going to rob a train. Here's 20 minutes of action. Is your adrenaline high enough yet? Isn't Walt a badass? Good, because it's time for a child to take a bullet to the fucking face. <laughs> Every big set, set piece in the series has been motivated by Walt's ego, not family or duty, and he has not nearly paid the personal price everyone around the mask for these astonishing capers. As tough it is to watch, he needs to go down as an imp- impotent, prideful son of a bitch. Yeah, so I agree with most of that. Um I I certainly think in the moments where Heisenberg has fully taken over the the persona that is this, this two face of Walton and Heisenberg, that he he is very much in that Heisenberg mode, and that's who he is. But I like I wrote my instant take review. This whole series has been about the struggle between these two personas, right? I mean, there is Walt who genuinely wants to do right by his family, but he is constantly undermined by Heisenberg, who is the prideful. Uh, egomaniac that Walt uh, is is stumbled by. Right. And so to to see that he is now the Walter White is completely dead as Gretchen says at the end of this episode now all he's got left is to be Heisenberg. He's going to do that until he dies. And he's probably going to die pretty soon as in next episode. Yeah. Like I said I thought this episode was really good about turning that stuff in like these successful capers you know they didn't like usually they'd work but they'd have unforeseen kind of monkey paw type type yeah. uh but this is like you know you expect heisenberg's speech is going to clear off skyler and she's going to skate through the judicial system no fuck no the prosecuting attorney is going to be pissed they're wanting to take out the rage on somebody yeah you know, jesse can escape from a jail from paperclip no not really you know why uh, Walt can get out in New Hampshire and Heisenberg up and plan his revenge from afar? Nope, he's a sick man dying from cancer. He can barely get his ass out of bed. Yep. It's just a cold, hard bucket full of reality for us that have been living in this escapist, fun, drug fantasy. Absolutely. Um, moving on, Margaret S. said, I had a thought before watching the episode that the series could end with Jesse suicide bombing the uncle's lab with everyone, including Walt and Lydia, in it. After watching Granite State, this sounds more and more like a good idea. In fact, I'll make it an official prediction. I want Jesse to be a hero, even if it kills him. And as you said, he has nothing to live for except, as it stands now, protecting Brock. I really like the theory of them foreshadowing the uncle's blase attitude towards lab safety coming up and biting them in the ass. Yeah, I mean, he's seen Walt use it on Crazy 8. We know quails explode. (laughs) So if Lydia's in that super lab... There you go. You add some red phosphor (laughs) to that... that... (laughs) 
what it's all about. The, the gestures. The going gestures. On. Ugh. Um, Justin from San Francisco said in the episode fly, we witnessed Jesse teetering desperately on a ladder Mm -hmm. to kill a fly, just to assist Walt in his attempt to free himself of his guilt. Jesse's actions have always been to Walt's end. While in tonight's episode, Jesse's teetering in a hole on everything he has literally to gain his freedom. First, he is throwing away the money. Then with his partnership with Hank and now his attempted escape from torture, futile as it seems the point of us seeing this is to witness Jesse's continued fight to control his own destiny and his evolution into a man navigating the consequences of his choices for the first time without a leash or master, even if it kills him. I like it. He asks, what do you think the likelihood of Gretchen and Elliot's appearance on Charlie Rose was an FBI hail Mary to smoke Walter out of hiding? Huh? Interesting. Uh, that seems like something they might try. Yeah. I mean, especially since Gretchen would know what kind of a strong reaction he had to them the last time. Sure. Um, that, that was one of the series' first stealth F-bombs, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Um, or though, didn't he say, fuck you in your eyebrows to Bogdan? <laughs> yeah, he did. Never mind. <laughs> Wipe down this. Right before yeah. that, he was like, fuck you and your eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, Bernie from Austria says, overall, I thought the episode was really well done. Tone and pace were perfect. I felt like the calm before the storm. However, why not more people or why haven't more people talked about the ridiculous scene between Walt and Saul where Walt again tries to show superiority over him is beyond me. I thought the scene felt extremely forced to transition between normal conversation and Walt's exit strategy over to Walt walking toward them, wanting to tell him it's not over, blah, blah, blah. Felt especially weird and almost comical in my eyes. See, he said he got the overall point, but the execution is really strange. What do you think, Jim? I think it was supposed to be comical. I mean, that was the one slight relief we had this episode. Well, that was supposed to be sad. Uh, it's both. It's both. I mean, you have to laugh at the fact that this guy is trying the same thing he tried before and he's failing miserably. Uh, but yeah, at the same time, it's sad because, you know, he's dying. Uh, as far as like the twist there from this this realistic hard-hitting reality of the conversation that Saul's giving him to like him puffing up and trying to be angry at him. I I didn't have a problem with it. I felt like Walt had been smacked in the face with this reality and now he's like trying to fight back against it by telling Saul you're going to do this cuz I say you're going to do it. No, the mini arc in this hour of television was basically Heisenberg trying to gain control over Walt again and yeah, yeah. trying to Heisenberg up and his body kept failing him. Sure. And you know, it'd be interesting. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if the episode ends with Walt taking, driving out with his machine gun in the back of that caddy and him, like, dying and running off the road before he gets to the... Oh, Jesus. Uncle's that would compound. be polarizing, how, I'm so sure. How, okay. Hmm. My brain's on fire trying to figure out how the hell he's going to figure out where they're at. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe the machine gun isn't, isn't for him. Maybe it is for Grey Matter, because he sure as hell knows where that's based out of. So he knows where Lydia is. Lydia is Todd's weakness, and Todd knows where Jesse is. Yeah, but Lydia's in Texas. But he knows where she is. So if he goes and gets her and, like, takes her to New Hampshire, or, sorry, to New Mexico, ties her up, whatever. She's in the Volvo. <laughs> the V. She's yeah. in the V. The, the flying V, like the Mighty Ducks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So he, there is a loose connection back to Jesse somehow. Stop that. A loose <laughs> a loose connection, Jim? <laughs> Very loose. Uh, Too loose for my taste. Is that the Nazi gang sign? <laughs> it is now. It's just, that's their symbol is a pussy. 
<laughs> I think it's the swastika. I'm not sure okay. on that. Okay. But I'll, I'll look it up and let you know. Uh, Brian says, Walt coming back is a glimmer of hope as he was motivated by Charlie Rose interview and hearing his name being regarded as something horrible. Walt's coming back to do something good after all the death and pain he's caused. Sure, it's part ego and pride yet again, but his intentions are always to help his family, even though there's a touch of his own selfish needs mixed in there. Jesse becomes Brock's guardian. Mark it down. There's a, there's a whiff of Walt, Team Walt bandwagon on that email. Did you, you get that? Yeah, nah, this guy's still maybe. saying it's all for the family. Yeah, it would be if Walt existed anymore. Mm. But it's all Heisenberg all the time now. Mm. Josiah said, I think the show is playing fair. The story of the teacher turned meth cook ended on Ozymandias, and now we're in the epilogue. The fun's over, and the obvious now that there's no happy ending coming for anyone. I just can't imagine Jesse driving away, even cautiously, hopeful after the events of the past year of his life. I'm not sure he meant it when he shouted it to the Nazis, but now he really is just ready to die. As far as Walt goes, the whole remember the name motif has really been about Heisenberg's name in my mind, but now I feel differently. Heisenberg is a myth and a legend, a persona that could be taken on by anyone and when and has been taken on. Hmm. And when Walt sees Gretchen saying that Walter White is gone, he wants to prove her and the whole world wrong. He's coming back to make clear that he and only he is Heisenberg by destroying everyone associated with the blue stuff and making sure that Heisenberg dies with him. With no one and nothing left, he's become the white and nerdy Mar- Marlowe Stanfield, wanting only for his name to ring out in the streets. The cruel irony is the name he worked so hard to protect from the meth business is now the name he wants to go down in history. Walter White, the perfect meth kingpin. I have nothing to add to that. That's very good. That's a great take and a great flip of the remember the name. I like that. Yep. Good job, Josiah. Deborah B says, uh, this is a very, very dark episode. So dark, I wonder uh, if we're in the Umbra already. Because if this is the penultimate episode is just in the prenumbra. We're in for a very upsetting time next week. Love it when you bust out the solar and lunar eclipse terminology. Gets me all hot and bothered. Uh, she continues, I've been on Team Jesse, but I cannot see him surviving this now. Death may not may be the kindest act for him. Brock has a grandmother and doesn't need New Mexico's second most wanted. Uh, good point. Yeah. Brock does have a grandmother. He does. And probably she should raise him and not Jesse. Yeah, bitch. probably. <laughs> probably. Raise this child, bitch. Um, Jesse and Walt are both in prisons of their own making. Both are fenced in literally and figuratively. Jesse could have disappeared. Walt <laughs> could have swallowed his pride and taken the payment for his medical bills from Gretchen. He is owed big time anyway. Jesse's need for an approving father figure that led to a need to take down that shame, sham father and Walt's massive ego have been their ultimate downfalls. Skyler is not without guilt, perhaps a public shaming, and all the loss she suffered is her penance. Her sister, Flynn, Holly, Brock, and Andrea are the only innocents here. And look how that turned out for Andrea. Yeah. It, what's your... Give me a percent. Give me some odds. Death of Skyler. We got one episode left, man. Uh, I'm actually going to say it's pretty low. I have an official prediction writing on everyone dying. Yeah. But... I feel like at this point it's pretty low. I'd Mar- say 20%. Marie? Ah, Marie's even lower. Marie's like 10%. Walt Jr., Holly, Flynn. Holly's at zero, right? They can't kill the baby. Yeah. I don't Flynn, think so. Flynn is probably at 10%. All right. I'm, I'm thinking, I feel like all of them are going to make it. 
through this. Yeah, I there's just not enough time. I don't feel like. And Walt's revenge has nothing has no effect on them really. I mean, the mm-hmm. worst the only way it could lead back to them is if the uncles get word that he's in town and they go hit up Skyler. So I mean, I guess it could happen. But I think I still think it's pretty low. All right, we still got several pieces of mail to get through here. Jason from Portland said, I think the Gretchen Elliott scenario is classic Villigan fake out. My hunch is that what caught Walt's attention is that the blue meth is back in the Southwest and Europe, that Walt is pissed as hell that Jesse isn't dead. He's coming back to take them out. And everyone who believes that the license for Lydia because of all the fucking tea and Stevie references, answer me this. Oh, no. Answer him this, podcast audience. Answer Jason this. Lydia lives in fucking Houston. Do you really think Walter is going to call Lydia and ask her to meet him for a fucking cup of tea in New Mexico? Um, sure, Walt. Let me drive my wood chipping coochie 15 hours so I can meet with a federal fugitive and give him a chance to poison me. Lydia is not dumb. The ricin's <laughs> for Jesse, bitch. Walt is going to force that ricin down Jesse's throat the same way you gave medication to a dog. He's going to put it into a slice of bologna, put it in his mouth, and massage his throat until he eats it. Yep. It's time to put Jesse out of his misery. Seriously, is there any way this can have a happy ending for him? Jason P., I, I will answer you that, and I would say that no, there is no way that this is going to be a remotely happy ending. Yeah. That that ship sailed uh, with the Granite State. It went down with the Granite State ship. Yep. Uh, Roger Connect Dotsy said, I'm sure... This was a very common thought, but I absolutely love the death of Heisenberg scene, as I'm calling it. Never in the entire series has he put on that hat and not been absolutely 100% Heisenberg, except for the time he was made to go home and go to bed without <laughs> his cookies and milk. Go home. We should do a dub of that scene where he tells him not only to go home, but just go like to keeps, bed. Just keep shining him on yeah. with no milk and cookies. Go home, Walter. Go to sleep. Don't masturbate. <laughs> Wake up tomorrow. Think about what you did. Do some push-ups. <laughs> Make sure you're set for the day. Did you forget your backpack? Make sure you got that. You need your textbooks. Get rid of that fucking eyeball <laughs> you're carrying with the Teddy Graham. <laughs> this is going nowhere. It means nothing. It's a loose end that we can't possibly tie up. Uh, Roger, what were you talking about? Uh, oh, yes. The show took its time and then pulling it out, putting it on walking out of the cabin, and then they abruptly drew aside the curtain, and as soon as he muttered, tomorrow, you knew that Heisenberg was dead and that the hat has made its last appearance. Finally, I love the motif of deer as stand-in for Walt. He put the hat on the deer, and when it came back to months later future, he had the ghetto chemo treatment hanging off it. I thought the idea of the bag hanging off that deer's antlers was just fantastic. Good nice. point. Heisenberg as mounted deer head. Or, yeah, just the fact that the hat is replaced by the bag. Mm. Also, that's that's rough justice. Mm-hmm. Jamie T says, here's my theory for the finale. I don't think Walt cares about something noble like saving Jesse or something ignoble like revenge. He's about to die, for gosh sakes. Walt wants to be heard. Just before deciding against turning himself in, he got smacked upside the head of two big cases of not being heard. The first from his family, with Walt Jr. talking over him. The second from his professional life with Elliot and Gretchen in the news. In general, rewriting history to marginalize him. Walt might very well go after uncles with that gun, but I think his motivation is leverage whatever he does into some platform to have his say. The bigger the fireworks, the more people listen. He is the brilliant Heisenberg. He made gray matter. He is the one who fucking knocks. Amen. That is remember my name in a nutshell. 
Good that, take. that drives perfectly with the theme for this final season. Good take, JVT. Uh, good job on you. Uh, Tom S. says, just a theory and something that's likely never been addressed on screen, but I'm remembering a line from Skylar back in season one when she's trying to find something to blame for Walt's cancer. She mentions his work in the labs, and Walt dismisses the notion. But what if she's right? What if Walt's cancer was set in motion or triggered during the time he was working for Gretchen and Elliot, devising the plans and formulas and chemistry that became the foundation for Grey Matter? Not only did she lose out on the time and fame and fortune in the company, but they also admittedly, inadvertently put him on the path to make the unenviable decision to break bad, essentially dooming him. That would be interesting. So she's saying that he got cancer while working on those, working with the chemicals that uh, he used to essentially found yes. gray matter. Yes. Mm, that's rough justice. What if he circulated that? Oh, Set oh! You're saying he, he circulates that rumor, no, so I mean, to destroy that, yeah, that was, my, that was my own spin. Okay, on, right. on Tom's uh, deal, he could do that. I, I'm interested to see how exactly he makes it known that he is Heisenberg, uh, and that this is all his doing. All right, we got three short ones left. Um, Katie from Philly said, "So I've heard, so I think I've heard in your feedback segments that a lot of people have been comparing the final season to the final act of Hamlet." Everybody dies, the poison, the session of legacy, and all that. That never sat right with me and my English teacher sensibilities. To me, the whole series has been a lot closer to Macbeth. Another parallel emerged this week when Walt commits his Heisenberg fail by walking as far as the gate, only to find that his one diseased lung isn't ready, uh, or isn't really up for the challenge. He mutters, "Tomorrow, tomorrow." At least to me, it echoed Macbeth when, upon hearing of his wife's death, he says. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps into this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time, and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Hmm. Don't tell me it's a stretch. I was really eager to drop some Billy Shakes on your asses. <laughs> Consider the Billy Shakes. Billy, that's a nickname for Shakespeare? Shakespeare's got to get paid, son. He's still getting the royalty checks from the grave 300 years after the fact. This episode of Breaking Good sponsored by William Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, yeah, and actually, I, f- I forget who did, but someone sent in the Macbeth parallels of, like, Skylar White with Lady Macbeth. How she was basically saying the whole, uh, you waded through the lake of blood midway. Am I, it's, it's as easy to keep going forward as going back when she's talking about hmm. killing Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, definitely a lot of Macbeth parallels, too. Nice. Adrian from London, my final theory, which I haven't seen mentioned elsewhere, is that Walt is planning to use the rice and to hit the gray matter share price. He wants to hit Gretchen and Elliot's money rather than killing him, so it'll make it seem like their products aren't safe or implicate them in the meth business in some way. Hit them where they really live. That's a strong point. Like if he <laughs> sneaks into their factory and somehow drops that rice and then I don't we don't know what the fuck gray matter does, right? Oh yeah. They make chicken. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. What do they do? Um, we That's never really explained properly, right? So is it something he could drop the ricin in? Maybe so. Maybe so. We know he goes back to get it. It would be ironic so. they're the uh, Southwest's second leading supplier of meth. <laughs> All the chicken uh-huh. in New Mexico is tainted either by meth or ricin. <laughs> Everyone is scared. It totally kills the chicken industry in New Mexico. This is basically like Anderson, Indiana, where like you go to the subway and they're cooking meth in back. Uh-huh. You know, just basically every gas station's got meth <laughs> cooking, got trucker crank cooking in the toilet. <laughs> uh, 
They say I, that yeah, they're, they're they're a meth aware community. Mm-hmm. That's like their tourism board putting those signs up, right? <laughs> like we want you to be aware that this is a meth community. Yeah. If you want in the meth, come to Anderson. It's the world's <laughs> capital. Wow. <laughs> Except for the place we're having the party, it's to- totally safe. Yeah, yeah. There are no, no meth worries. heads at all. We we are going to route. We're going to round them all up and 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 have the police put them somewhere. Okay. At the local at the local KFC. Let's do that. For the duration of our party. <laughs> uh, uh, GM Quinn, last one. I'm totally puzzled on how they can go national Heisenberg. Uh, they can go national on Heisenberg with just a word of Marie. The DEA has no evidence, no bodies, no cash. It was so important for Hank to get more evidence. Um, the problem I think you're missing here, GM, is that Walt gave a full confession over the phone. Yeah. I mean, there you go. Boom. Yeah. I mean, I... They were, I and assume, it was recorded. Yeah, I assume they were recording that call. So, oh yeah, they held, they had the fucking recorder right up to Skyler's ear. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah. you can't really hear much that way. <laughs> they got a couple of garbled references to <laughs> bitch, and that's about it. Yeah, it was just the air conditioner running. <laughs> that's it. We actually don't have any spoiler emails. Uh, it's been tight. The Villigans uh, kept the ship tight, 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 kept the ship tight, tight, tightly sealed up. The hats, the hats have been battened. The hatches have been battened down. Whatever other metaphor you want to use, there's nothing, nothing escaping out of the Villigan factory. No. We got nothing to go on, people. Your predictions are locked in. You got to live with them. You got to lie in that bed that you made. Look what you made. Look what you made. You've also got to lie in the bed that this is the last episode next week. Um, I'm a little sad about that, but we'll we'll talk a lot about that next week. I'm sure our feelings on the series ending. It is. I mean, and it kind of depends on how it ends, too, right? And think about it. I can't. I can't think of a series that's ended that I've been this kind of worked up about. I'm, with the last time I'm like Deep Space Nine, because I, yeah. I was I was Zone. out on Lost before it over. I was Me out too. on X Files. Those were the last two that I was really super involved in. The last one I remember for sure was Seinfeld. That was – I was watching that um, up through the end of season seven, and then so, I was really here. excited. I watched the final episode. And that was and a was turd. Kind of disappointed, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, going into it, I was super excited and really sad that it was ending. It's been a good long while since something like this is – because, you know, a lot of the other big ones like Seinfeld – or. Um, Sopranos, I didn't watch live. Deadwood, yeah. I didn't watch live, and that wasn't really a, a season a finale anyway. So yeah, I'm. I don't know what to do. I don't know whether shit or go blind on this thing. Do both. That's All my right. philosophy. Same time. Nothing preventing me physiological from from that happening. <laughs> no, not at all. The optic nerve is not connected to my rectal nerve <laughs> to your tailbone. Uh, all right, so we're gonna go shit and go blind. Uh, thank you everybody for listening and. We'll see you next week for the finale. Until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron.